What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with River Brown, Andrew Velez, and Joe Dells. And this is now episode 282. In this episode, we're going to do an NBA mock draft of the lottery picks, give recaps to game ones, and talk about more draft-related topics. Episode 282. We're getting closer and closer to episode 300. Sir. And we might be live in Las Vegas for that one. That Potentially, maybe. Who knows? And then to the universe, huh? Mm-hmm. We yes. haven't gotten no tickets, no flights. We're just <laughs> saying shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll be there. Oh, man. oh yeah, That'd for sure. Dope, we'll be there. Uh, yeah. Have you guys ever been to Summer League? No. no. Never been to Vegas. I've been to Vegas. Oh, I've yeah. been to Vegas. Yeah. Spiral. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been to Summer League one time, but I made the mistake of going later in summer league and i missed out on watching all the top prospects this is a great year to go to summer league oh no i'm lit i'm lit i will get amen's autograph you're gonna dap him i'm gonna dap him talk to him that'd be cool they're having they're having this they're having this thing called nba con now at summer league saw that where you can get autographs from victor and banyama scoot and other players potentially yeah i don't need that one i just need what do you mean i don't need victor's autograph why, you guys will get it. He becomes the second greatest basketball player I need player my guy autographs first. <sighs> Amen. Black. Um, I can say that. Um, He's saying Anthony Black. Yeah, Anthony Black. Oh, okay. Yeah, look at you. I can wow. say that. <laughs> uh, my boy Jalen Hood. I'm going to be I'm being there too and get my guards, man. Maybe I'll get a victory. You just have a thing for guards? Yes. Just small a lot of good guards. A lot handle. of good guards. Bad guys. Bad guys. Yeah, because yeah, you're a figures. bad guy. 100% a bad guy. Yeah, we know. Who's a six six? Big size. He's a tall dude. He is. I don't understand why he's not higher on people's boards. I was just telling you this, man. Playmaking is streaky. You're a point guard and you're not a good playmaker. It's, combo. it's just a combination. Not to be now before we get started, we have some big time news that's gonna happen tomorrow. We're going to be going live on playback uh-huh. to watch the EuroLeague final four. The final four is gonna be Friday and Sunday. Riven I will be live if Drew and Dells wants to join. They're more than welcome to join. Uh, but for those of you that do not have an ESPN Plus subscription, you won't be able to watch the event unless you have a EuroLeague Final Four day pass. And right now, Playback has given us about 10-plus codes for you guys to have it and uh, watch the watch the stream for free. So if you guys are interested in getting one of the codes, then DM any of us, and we'll shoot you one of them. Or DM the Pick Aside podcast page itself, or just drop in the YouTube comment section down below if you'd like to watch this event and watch the Final Four tournament. And we'll comment right under your comment the code to give away to you guys. Can't wait to watch Rudy Fernandez. I can't wait to watch Sasha Vezenkov. Mm. We're doing some extensive Kings scouting. Okay. Okay. Are they he, like stashed? He's, yeah, he's stashed for the Kings. Yes. So locked in. Yeah. Sasha Vezenkov, he just won your league MVP. I mean, he's Miritich is over there, right? Miritich is he is over there. That'll be nice to watch him play again. Call him Miritich. Love to watch Euro Bowl. A lot of fundamentals. He plays on Barcelona, right? He should. Isn't he from Spain? Yeah, I was going to say, because when I was over there in uh, Barcelona, they had his jersey over there. Oh, retired. Wow. Yeah, no, not retired. I mean, he's oh. actively playing. Nope. I thought you said fire. No, I thought you said retired, right? <laughs> is that Fort Smart, son? Fort Eastern? I don't know what time it is. Oh, I it's 11 a.m. Oh, Eastern. It is. Yeah, mm. Won't be able to make that. 
Why? Well, I have work. You can't just jump in with your phone? Uh, Maybe for a bit. You're a hater. Let's see what I can do. I'm um, what? Nothing. You pissed so me off. So the Friday schedule, <laughs> the Friday schedule is 8 a.m., then 11 a.m., and Sunday it's 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., but this is all times Pacific. Is it all times are Pacific Standard Time? So I'm not sure what it is Eastern time. Is it 8 a.m. Pacific? 11. It says Eastern? 8 a.m. and it doesn't say like ET or anything like that. Oh. It's 8 a.m. 8 a.m. would be 5 a.m. our time, right? Ooh. Or no, the opposite. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not that no. early, but yeah, the opposite. Eleven. If you guys so are interested, there, yeah. if you guys are interested, just comment, and we'll send you guys a code to watch the final four. Pretty now, Dells, we have some boom fantasy picks. We do. We got. Let's game, get right into it, we man. Got game two of Nuggets Lakers. Game one was was magnificent. I mean, the Nuggets so went out big. Lakers made that crazy comeback. <laughs> you know, made that switch with Rui on Jokic, and Jokic was in hell. Um, so for game two, anyone specific you guys are looking for? You're looking for Jokic lines? Maybe I'm assuming Rui's going to be guarding him, right? It yeah, works yeah. so well. well what's How the, what's the Jokic line? What's the points right now? Right now, Jokic is at 28.5 points, oh, 14 yeah. rebounds, 10.5 assists, 53.5 PRA. Listen, right turnovers. here, Dells. I'm taking under on all that. Everything. The Lakers found a perfect defensive scheme to shut down Jokic and the Nuggets. And I feel very like like Drew. He That's said he assistant. Drew said he felt very comfortable and confident after the game one loss. I feel it too. I'm feeling that Lake Show energy, and I think that the Lake Show they found a recipe to stop this team. And I think it, it's I feel Lakers in five now. That's how confident mm, wow. I feel. He's after the shit after a game one loss, I'm feeling Lakers hey, in can five. You, can you tell me some MPJ lines? I'm feeling real good about MPJ. MPJ. Six, uh, ten. He is got at 15 and a half points. At least at 14. Got little man Reeves on Six him. Six and a half rebounds. Two now, and a half threes. 23 and a half He was a little bit. When they would switch, but yeah. really, it's, that's not his matter. doesn't really matter. It's KCP, and KCP was doing his thing. He was. Missed him every day, man. Is he going to do it two times in a row? Probably not. Probably doesn't have. He was playing good. He just said they had the key. Uh, 15 and a half points, six and a half boards, two and a half threes, 23 and a half PR. I'll go the over on his threes and his points. What is the threes? I'm sorry. Two and a half. Two. Okay. Over one is so he'll hit three threes for me and he'll get over sixteen points. I think MPJ is gonna have a big game, man. You know, not having to rely on Joel. Let me just look it up on my phone myself. I'm locked in. Give me another one. Shoot some more. Um. So someone no, had no a, Laker lines. So I, I don't want nothing. Say, no Laker big game. Um. We got Aaron Gordon up here. Jokic rebounds. Lock. That Jeff, is a lock. Jeff I told Green, you four and a half points. No. Okay. I'm just, good off that. You know, point five steals. No. Bruce Brown point five threes. Yes, I'm taking that again. We're okay. gonna go. Yeah, that's a good bet. Jokic's rebounds is at 14. Who's guarding Bruce Brown? It was D-Lo, right? Get him out the fucking game. Uh, I think it was D-Lo. <laughs> Yo, D-Lo's defense to, oh, really is horrendous. He, he it did. really is not good. Yeah. So I'll go MPJ Still over loading. points, over, over threes, and uh, Bruce Brown over .53. That's hilarious, but okay. we're going to stick with that. I also see LeBron and AD both are at 25 and a half points. Who do you think uh, scores more? Listen, go to over on that, both. They're both of them? To, yeah. This guy does not care about people's money. Even though I don't disagree, however, this guy's not here being serious, and it's it's honestly he's doing you. the fans a disservice. It's on my Lake Show. They, they need your their, your <laughs> true analysis. Show. Oh bro. my god, we've officially heard it all. Um, you're a prick. So what I'm gonna do is, I think Schroeder's gonna get a good amount of minutes. I like Schroeder over four assists. It's three and a half assists. I like him to get four. Uh, I like Jokic's rebounds. 14 rebounds, that means he needs 15. It 14 in the first quarter, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was insane. Um, Riv, I like your lines, honestly. I'm a good guy, bro. I've been killing lately. You have been. Called the Tatum 51 point. Just 
take it easy. I don't know if he called 51. Uh, he was the like only 35. one who took the over on the on the he panel was, here. He was. He was. He was. John said you're being cringe. I'm being cringe. Yeah, with the lake show. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, John's, uh, he's not with you today. It takes one to know one. <laughs> you know what? In D'Lo comeback game, that's what I'm feeling. What? D'Lo, 14 what? points. Comeback. Wow. At, on the road. I said what I said. Cool. 14 points. That's all he needs. Got it. He's doing that. Easy. Sometimes players say it's easier on the road. D'Lo said that? Not D'Lo, but I've heard players say that. Well, D'Lo said that Minnesota to Lakers, he feels so much more comfortable. Yeah, he's, so, yeah. And the stats, since, since he said that, he's been horrifically bad. Well, that was nine points. We're in the Western Conference Finals, so yeah. he can say whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, to his credit, his best game is on at home against the Grizzlies at 31. He is played that, well that, against you guys. That wouldn't be to his credit, though. Oh, because he what? was saying he plays better on the road. No, I'm just saying sometimes players oh. say it's easier no, on he the road. Had, he had a good game against the Warriors 21. Yeah, facts. It was at, it was at uh, home. Okay. He had four at home also. Got it. I don't know what to tell with this guy. <laughs> What's his line? Cold. Just, it's 13 and a half. 13 and a half. He just needs D-Lo. 14. 13 and a half is like a D-Lo low line, but D'Lo might not play much in this series. We had 26 minutes. That's enough time to get 14 points. Did you see like Mike D-Lo. Malone trying to add fuel to that fire? I did. By saying that, hey, there's an interesting storyline going there, going on there. If Dan's also plays or he doesn't, he's been playing phenomenal. I don't know if he's going to play <laughs> moving forward. No, I think he'll definitely get minutes. To take him out of the rotation completely Why did is D-Lo not enough. Play forty-one minutes in Game Six against the Warriors. They were beating the shit out of us. Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Emptied the bench and he was just the one. To person be honest with you, bro, we, we didn't we didn't take our starters out until like three minutes left of the That's, game. Oh, now listen, yeah. tell me, those are the are the Game Two ECF lines out? They yet? are. You're interested in that as well? Yes. Let me let me just let me do that. That's oh. going to be my three leg parlay right there. You're throwing some for because we know Lakers going to dominate. Game Jimmy two. Butler twenty and a half. What's your opinion on that? Listen, talk to me. If they made the proper adjustments, that's an under for me. Okay, but I don't believe in Missoula, mm. so let, let, let me just. I don't. I'm gonna stay away from Jimmy Butler at this point. Right now, I'm gonna stay away from him. I don't, Bam I don't had a big game yesterday. Yeah, he's at 18 and a half points. He was very aggressive, Sheesh. finding his shot, going right after Rob. Williams let me look at the Celtics. Read me Celtics lines right. All right, now. you um, know I'm going with your, the C's your right favorite now. player of all time, Jason Tatum. Okay, at 29 and a half points, uh, nine and a half boards, five assists, 44 and a half PRA. Okay, listen, he gets a lot of rebounds. Jason Tatum, I'm going to over on the rebounds. I don't have rebounds. I think he has 10. Okay, or more. Um, yes. Jalen Brown's 24 and a half, six rebounds, three and a half assists, 34 and a half PRA. Uh, I don't feel comfortable in either one. The points one is the only one I feel comfortable in, but I don't. So read me some more. All right, any of these role players stick out to you? Smart, Rob, Will, Crow. Al, Marcus Smart, Eric White, Brogdon. Marcus Smart. He had ten assists in the first half and only one in the rest of the second half. He had thirteen and a half points. These are lines: thirteen and a half points, six assists, twenty-two and a half PRA. I'm gonna go Marcus Smart over thirteen and a half. That's what I'm gonna go with. I don't okay. mind that. So I'm going Tatum rebounds over Smart points over, and I need one more. Who do you want, Derek White? Rob, well, that that two big lineup wasn't great for the Celtics. No, so, not at all. Um, Al Horford, though, he is at seven and a half points, six and a half boards, sixteen and a half PRA, and point five turnovers. Six and a half points for Al Horford. That yeah. means three threes. That can seven he get three half, threes? Derek White, eight and a half points. I feel like they've been they were hunting him game one. So he I was in know. foul trouble, but I don't know, man. I feel like eight and a half is disrespectfully low. You know what? I'll do two Boston, one Miami, because I think that's how I have to play it on Boom Fantasy regardless. So Miami, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. Give me some of these role player lines. Kyle Lowry's at 10.5 points. Mm. 
He's at three and a half rebounds. What's Dirk his assist at? 0.5 blocks. Yeah, I'll stay with that. Well, what's what's four, his assist at? Four assists. I'm going with Kyle Lowry assist. Derek White. 0.5 blocks. He did get a block last game. That's what I'm going. I'm going with Tatum over rebounds. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I'm going with Marcus Smart over points. And then I'm going with Kyle Lowry over an assist. What about Gabe Vincent, 10 and a half? Is that intriguing? Yeah, I don't trust him. All those role players at 15. He's been doing his thing. He's been doing his thing. Max Struce yeah, started I don't trust cooking him. up, boy. Whenever you I bet on Gabe him? Vincent, he's never hit. Uh, Max Struce? Yeah. Nobody, honestly. He was getting wide open looks. Yeah. In third quarter, at least. Pick and roll. You know who's in the pick and roll? You're Tatum. saying, oh, okay. You guys need to get better as a unit. Okay. You got bounced in the second round. We beat I you. I don't care about a championship last year. <laughs> you even, can't care because it's been a minute for you not guys. Even a little bit. Now, yeah. today we are going to do an NBA mock draft. Just the first 14 picks, the lottery picks. Sorry, before we move on, just so you guys know, we are doing the MLB The Show giveaway tomorrow. We'll be oh, put out this on before. the pickest. <laughs> I just said I got to find <laughs> I finally got the deposit. <laughs> I got everyone's email. So tomorrow I'll be announcing it on the Pick Side account. And, of course, download the Boom Fantasy app. It's in the description code PAS. Get those numbers up, man. Franchise tag. Now, now listen right here. We're going to do the mock draft lottery edition, but I think it'll be a disservice if we don't talk about at least game ones, briefly swift through it. Okay. At least give it five minutes of, of show time. I think five it. it this guy does not give a flying fuck about me. Now. <laughs> he doesn't. No, he doesn't. That's why I said, let's start Would the show. Would you talk about the game ones or the mock? I, well, I got to do the mock, but obviously I don't. I don't. I want to talk about everything now, Drew. I'm on a constraint now, Drew. Game one. I'm crying. How do you feel? Because you feel you told John before the show. Yeah. That you were smiling after losing. Yeah. You were so happy about how the game went. You started smiling. Okay. You know. And give I or take a few words. Yeah, because you know our Lake Show. They they pulled out Holy together shit. in the fourth Holy quarter. Holy our Lake yeah. Show. Our you lake know we show. all picked on to win this series. Our Lake Show pulled out that that, that fourth quarter was, was amazing. Show. So, so, Drew, how do you feel about that game? And tonight's game, too, this is probably going to be out after the game's over. Yeah. But, you know, how do you feel right now? I still feel really good. You mentioned it. I was, I was smiling after game one, obviously, uh, exaggeration there. But realistically, to, to come back from 21 down, to get within three on the road in a game that it looked like, hey, we're just going to roll over. No, we never did that. We never, at any course in that third, fourth quarter, decided to take our foot off the gas. We kept, go- we kept going basket for basket. They kept scoring. Our defense, as great as it's been this entire postseason, they were doing whatever they wanted. Jokic had Anthony Davis in hell one-on-one, which is what I was saying. I did not want that matchup. I did not want AD to play one-on-one, but it was understood it's game one. You feel it out. See if you have an advantage there. Clearly, we did not. Jokic was doing whatever he wanted, whether it was in the perimeter, down low. He was just unbelievable in those first three quarters. But we kept com- we kept coming back. We kept putting up buckets. Towards the end of that fourth quarter, we started to finally get some stops. We made an adjustment. Put Rui on Jokic now. Anthony Davis becomes the roamer, which is what I mentioned on the last podcast. I want Anthony Davis as that roamer sagging off Aaron Gordon or whoever it's going to be, maybe a Jeff Green if that's the the adjustment they decide to make for game two. And then it allows now where Jokic, if he wants to get into the paint, now he's met with the best shot blocker in the game, Anthony Davis. And it proved to be successful. I believe the points per possession when Anthony Davis was playing against Jokic was 1.55, something stupid. That is just, and that's basically whatever Jokic wanted to do, he did. But then when Rui took over, his points per possession dropped to, I believe, 0.6 something, something along those lines. It was a great adjustment by Darvin Ham, one that I wish we would have made a little bit earlier. But putting Schroeder into the lineup wasn't the bad idea. Putting Schroeder into the lineup, but also starting D'Angelo Russell at the same time, that's where it started to get get a little bit out of hand. 
we went a little bit too small when realistically we need Rui in this lineup to be effective. We need Vanderbilt to be in this lineup to be effective. And in this series specifically, I'll favor Rui because he provides us with some offense, and we saw him have success against Jokic defensively. Is that sustainable for an entire series? I don't think so, but the whole idea is to make him uncomfortable, limit Jokic, because if he does what he did in those first three quarters, the, the Nuggets will win this series. However, for us to go down 21, for us to have the rally that we did, their defense is not that good. The Nuggets defense is not good, and I'll trust my Lakers defense before I trust the Nuggets defense because that's what they've shown us basically the entirety of the season. We can give respect that they played well defensively in the first two rounds, but against the Lakers game one in their home court, they did not look good by any means. And if your argument is going to be, oh, well, is this offense sustainable for the Los Angeles Lakers? If you want to say that, fine, but there's no way we play as bad as we did in those first three quarters defensively. So, yeah, I feel optimistic. It's a game one. You know, the the anti-Laker, fa- the anti-Laker fans are, are going to come out and use I mean, game one as, as a, oh, my God, you guys got smoked, 21. You guys show. lost. How can you feel good? I feel good because it's a game one, and it's a series of adjustments. And Darvin made a great adjustment that almost ended up leading to a, stealing a game. That ultimately they ended up taking, that the Nuggets ended up winning. And you take that on the chin, I believe that we would lose game one anyways. Game two will be ours. What bothers me a lot about how the dialogue after game one became what it became is that it was a good adjustment. I think it was one that could have, it could have happened at the beginning of the game. But that is not going to stop the Nuggets offense. And they're going to have so many counters for that like just bringing up AD on ball screens or just instead of having Aaron Gordon in the dunker spot, have him in the corner, having Jeff Green in the corner pocket so there's just more space on the floor. There's just a ton of adjustments for what that's going to be that I just don't believe that hanging your head on one defensive coverage is going to be the way to win this series. If it's a multitude throughout the game, then I can see it like that. But what's been bothering me a lot about how this the dialogue is after game one is that all everybody's talking about is how, you know, wow, the way you, the way this people talking about this series, you would think the Lakers won game one. Denver won game one, and I understand the fourth quarter, the Lakers won it, but we're talking about three quarters of dominant Denver basketball. It was in transition, creating turnovers, offensively not being able to be stopped. People talking about Anthony Davis is the best defensive big man in the league. Jokic was cooking him left and right. I think... Regardless of how this series goes, Jokic has earned the right to be the best player in the world. That's the level he's playing at right now. We'll see what he continues to do throughout this series. But everybody's just talking about what the Lakers can do, and nobody talks about what Denver can do. And that's been bothering me. Even on Draymond Green's podcast, you know, it's like he's the Lakers head coach out there. He's just talking <laughs> don't, about – Don't even get me yeah, He's just talking about Lakers' adjustments but, perspective. Let me, shirt let me ask you – yeah, The shirt is fire. Very fire. Let me ask you a question. All these things the, the Nuggets can do – you're saying that you can put Gordon, you can put Jeff in the corner. I'll tell you what, if Jeff Green's on the court, that's a W for I the think Lakers. That's unfair. I think and if you want to do that to Aaron Gordon, which is what they did, but Gordon can't shoot and started to miss, so you realize, okay, we have to put him into that dunker spot. Now Anthony Davis is in prime position, even more so. If there's more that you want to say, but th- that's my rebuttal to that. So you're, tell- so you're telling me... To what? Because uh, I, I think, like... And I, I agree with a little bit with what Joel is saying, but I think more of it oh, is, and so do I. I think pe- I agree with some but of what you're saying. People question. aren't letting Malone make his adjustments. Like fair. we saw the Lakers make it's adjustments, which is fair. But people aren't allowing Malone to now. Okay, 
The Lakers made their adjustments in the fourth. We kind of know what you're going to do next game. Let Malone make his adjustments, see what he's going to do. Fair. People are kind of making it seem, not saying you. No, I got you. People are making it seem like, oh, the Lakers figured it out. They No, Denver gave you that game one. You kind of figured that out. But now let's see what Denver adjusts and rebuttals to that. Yeah. And I think that's where the unfairness is coming well, from. Well, I think there are more ways than just putting him in the corner. For, for one, Jokic can make a pass in a dunker spot pretty consistently and if AD comes in to help, that's a pass that will be open, and Gordon is a great finisher around the basket. But if AD is not going to be guarding Aaron Gordon, then he's free to set screens around the court. So now you can set screens onto these defenders on the wings, and now you open up shooters. And that's another way you can combat that adjustment. So that's why I just don't – I think it's unfair – that everybody's just talking about, oh, yeah, the Lakers have figured out this master plan. That I agree with. It's such, oh, it's just over. I think it's going to be a series where both teams are going to constantly give out punches, and we'll see who's sure. left standing. Yeah. I mean, we've all picked the Lake Show to be left yeah. standing, and it's probably going to be the Lake Denver's Show. I think Denver going to win game one. Yeah, though. so did I. And I think on the other side of things, the Nuggets defensively cannot allow LeBron to keep switching on to Jamal Murray. No. Like, Shit was that's hilarious. just going to – we saw it a lot in, the, in that Lakers series. We saw it even some in the Grizzlies that series. LeBron is just going to look for the mismatch, look for the small guard that he could go into the post and just dominate. The Nuggets can't, can't allow that because it's going to be a 30, 25-point game from LeBron every time. I thought a lot in the first half from the Lakers was just was effort, and it just looked like they were dead out there. The Nuggets played with all the energy. Of course, you have the crowd there, the home court advantage but they came out and it looked like a regular season game in November there was no urgency there Jokic was playing one of the best quarters of basketball you could possibly imagine AD um, quietly had 42 yeah and AD had it almost felt like a quiet 40 because Jokic was just dominating and even defensively he was yeah. great especially that first half the fourth quarter of course to make the adjustment and we know the adjustment I think that's the advantage Denver has is they know the adjustment the Lakers are going to have the Lakers don't know what the counter is going to be to that adjustment mm -hmm. I said this series is going to go seven games I think home I think the home court advantage is going to play a big part I have the home team is winning every single game and then that seventh game is going be the sign factor now and also the the lebron hunting mismatches you know i think the fix for that is just go under lebron's screens go under Make these screens shoot. aaron gordon's trying to go over every screen even when the the screen is set at the three-point line i'm gonna let lebron shoot that you saw you saw jamal say when they switched when jamal was switched yeah. on to him he's like Go, go back and Gordon stay in there. That was the thing. Schroeder had a problem was on too. one too. Schroeder had a problem on the other end because they had him going right. under screens You're for right. Jamal and he was looking at them like, this, this is not this working. Is not and work. that was the adjustment. Schroeder said something yeah. to, the, like, to the sideline. He just kept going right through him and that really, Schroeder, where the big adjustment was Rui, Schroeder's ability to go through screens also ignited that comeback in the fourth. I will say, if, if the Lakers did complete the comeback it would have been a demoralizing loss yeah, for Denver. 100%. But the fact that Denver held on to win the game, yes, you know, you have to learn from it, but it's not, I think they're still in a prime position. You know, and another thing you that took I, the lead. Last thing I want to say, and we can talk about the Celtics and Heat game is we can do the draft next. Just so okay. You. Everything, everything wow. went right for the Nuggets. Everything went right for the Nuggets in those first three quarters and even the start of the fourth quarter. They hit every ridiculous shot. They were making every wide-open jumper. They were making contested jumpers. KCP couldn't miss. Jamal couldn't miss. The one right before the, the third quarter ends where Jokic is off one foot, step back mm -hmm. three, splashes it. Jamal Murray right in LeBron's face where LeBron just kind of gives him a thumbs up like, hey, you make that shot, I tip my cap to you. That's a solid shot. But everything went right for them, and the Lakers were one shot away from that game. 
So I still feel optimistic, and that's mainly why I feel optimistic. The, Everything the, went right for the Nuggets. The Lakers also right in the in second it. half at one point were 18 of 23 from the field. So, like, they, the second half, they you're were getting, not fuck. Yes, you were yeah, getting good easy looks. looks. But you're also not going to shoot. I agree. That is so, I agree with that. So we're not going to talk about my heat? Well, listen, we listen. Will, but well, for, first gotta, of all, Drew, you know, Drew has to bounce in a bit. Course. Being respectful of his time. Yeah, we, had thanks, mention, you know. we had to mention our Lake Show on the show. That I appreciate. We had to. See, the thing is, Joel, I understand what he's doing. And the fans, are they're, they're going to want me to react to Joel saying my Lake Show. not reacting. But when you know who you are as a man, you feel very comfortable in what's going on. You let bygones be bygones, you know? And, We're under and the, the same real, beliefs, brother. And the real come out on the end. Just the disrespect towards my heat, man. We're talk well, about we'll them talk after. about them once Drew leaves. We'll, we'll give, you know, the, the Celtics a majority of the blame for that game. <laughs> my goodness. Now, Missoula. Now, NBA Mock Draft 1.0. This lottery edition, just the first 14 picks. Now, we had already decided before we went live or before we started recording the show who will get the first pick? We're giving it to our brethren, Dells. Dells has the first overall pick. Shout to the Spurs, man. Uh, are we doing music? <laughs> yes. No, don't do music. No, what the uh, fuck? It ruins the TikTok. It's a big music guy. It, um, it, it, we, it's, it will be unable to be posted on TikTok if we do the music. Why? Because the sound is in the way, and then when you do the cuts, it's going to sound horrible. Or you just don't announce your pick until the music stops playing. I'm not a editor. I yeah, have no say okay. that. Uh, <laughs> I am the editor. So yeah, there you there go. go. Yes. Uh, Spurs won the lottery. First pick is Victor. Please um, add some uh, no energy analysis. to that. First pick. First pick is Victor. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing to say. You saw someone asked him, how'd you get the nickname Wemby? No, I just saw him. The Rockets get four and he get excited. Yeah, facts. That was old. And old I saw the Spurs. He was geeking that the Spurs yeah. got the first there's pick. There's really no analysis needed here. We've been talking about Wemby for years. You know, we knew uh, this is going to be the pick. I kind of forgot, but like. My top five list of preferred destinations. Number two is the Spurs. Mm. That's basically number one because number one was the Mavericks and they had a long shot. Holy so my shit. number one was actually my number one was actually the Spurs because they had a realistic chance of getting Wemby. Why do Plus. we allow this? It's a fact. Why, Riv? And even if I'm you don't, talking to you, even if they're not like number one, number one is number two. Wasn't he on Bleacher Report? He said he wanted the Rockets to get one. He of did. course, which I yeah for personal agenda purposes, but. I said my top five preferred destinations. Number Isn't two, preferred destinations is personal number, preference. Num, number two was the Spurs. Wasn't number that two was the Spurs? Just number two was the Spurs. Victory? Yeah, for sure. He's just like yeah, number, number one was the Mavs. Wait, number wasn't two was three Spurs. Houston? Three was the Rockets or Hornets. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was, it was the, Rockets. the Rockets. Four was Hornets. Was five was Pacers. Don't disrespect me. Don't disrespect <laughs> me. Now, number two overall pick. Now, this is where things get interesting because I think this is where the draft can either take a turn. Or we can go with consensus right here. So, Riv, I'm gonna, oh. I want you to select the second overall pick. Something so challenging. Uh, man, Talk this... to me because I know who your number two player off the board is. Um, It's tough, man, because I've, I've seen a lot of stuff that says LaMelo and Scoot can play together. But then I've seen some stuff where people are not high on Brandon Miller. I'm going to go Brandon Miller. Bro, what hit. happened to Eamon? No, Eamon to Charlotte? I never I, had Eamon to Charlotte. Bro, you told me that Eamon's your number two guy. That's Doesn't why I'm wondering. Charlotte. Nah, oh, okay, I'm okay. going to go Brandon Miller here. I think um, as much as I do love Scoot, I don't like the possibility of LaMelo sharing the backcourt with another ball-dominant guard. Okay. I think pairing him with guys that are around, like his height or taller, would make the lineup much better defensively. And then right. Brandon Miller can come in automatically, be a catch-and-shoot player, can be a guy who can spot up from three, can give you that type of defense on the wing. And he just compliments LaMelo so much that I really want him with uh, Charlotte. So I'm, I will go Brandon Miller here too. Okay, understandable. There's been a lot of reports recently that he's been interviewing bad and he's not yeah, in yeah. the best of shape. You think you take that over just best player available? 
Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I think this one. I'll, like, if school gets picked at two, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't mind Brandon Miller here. I just think he fits truly perfect to next to uh, what LaMelo's going to do, what he needs to do. And that means that number three is getting an absolute steal. And that's going to be the Portland Trailblazers. And there's been a lot of conversations recently at today. Let me ask you, since you're the GM, are you trading Dame after you make this pick? So we were on BR, and there's no better time to trade Dame. Could you get your point guard and Scoot Henderson? That's literally, it, it fills in perfectly. And now it allows you to build for the future. You're going to get great compensation for trading Damian Lillard. When I saw the report was the opposite the morning after the draft lottery, I was kind of shocked. Because they are just saying they want to go all in, which I believe you will get a very good a very good package for that number three overall pick. With that being said, I would be one of those that if there was any time to trade Dame, this is it. Because you're getting Scoot Henderson, a point guard that you can trust to be your 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 franchise point guard for the rest of you know, for 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 the time coming, especially moving on from Dame. There's, there's a little bit of a blow, easing the blow there. So for number three, if I'm in Portland, yes, I will be selecting Scoot Henderson. I believe that this is the number two prospect in the draft. The one thing that he does have to work on is his shooting, but other than that, everything else, he is he is an amazing prospect. He can play make the best in this in this class for sure. His ability to get to the rim, his athleticism. He's just a little bit undersized, but still is a, a pesky defender. I'm going Scoot, no doubt about it, at number three. The fourth overall pick is where the draft's going to take a turn. Well, I like how you did this for your Rockets. The Houston Rockets <laughs> got the fourth why, overall I, I pick. I was real. I was like, I know I'm going to make this <laughs> third pick. Scoot, Brandon Miller, off the board. The Rockets need a point guard. You look at Eamon Thompson, he's hyper-athletic. He's there. He's 6'7". For sure. 25% from three, not impressive. No. 20 years old, going up against high schoolers and in the overtime uh, elite he, league. He, he played grown men before. Do, do, do I do I trust overtime elite league? Do I trust that league? I really don't. So, you know what? I'm going to go long. Here we go. And I'm selecting Anthony Black with the fourth overall pick. Mm. I think he has natural feel as a passer. He's a great defender. And I think the Rockets you need kn- you knew a floor general. No, I did it. And you I'm going Anthony Black. No, I did it. I'm going Anthony he, Black he, for the this Rockets. This is the first time in years he's, give, he's given me no indication he See, was doing this. because Anthony Black, with respect, listen, is he a better shooter than Eamon? Not that hard. Eamon shot 25%. His splits were, what, 45, 30, and 71 from the free throw line. He's probably a better playmaker. But other than that, Eamon's athleticism, I feel like that's where you have to lean upside. I like Anthony Black as a prospect as well. But to take him at four, I think that's a little uh, bit Eamon high. Is but I, I get where you're coming from. The Rockets need a true playmaker, and that is Anthony Black. That's when did he face grown men? Um, it was um, he played overseas before one time, and then he played in like um, you know that league that like the the TBT league. You know what it is? Yeah, you sure. I, I have an idea. Okay, so yeah, he played it. His team um over the the. What's the name team played in it? I understand the critique, and I know people are going to say Anthony Black is a reach at pick number four, but the pushback I'll give to that mm-hmm. is Eamon Thompson feels like a player that he gets to Houston, and it's another player who is going to have an insane ego with these Rockets players, and I feel like the Rockets already have a plethora of young players that are trying to showcase themselves. I trust Anthony Black going into the situation and playing a role over Eamon Thompson. And I think Anthony Black, his upside to me is like a Josh Giddy, somebody who's a floor general. His jump shot is kind of funky, but I yeah. think it can develop. He's not the most athletic guy, but he's still a great defender. 
and his passing, his vision on the court Fantastic. is one of the best in his draft. I say Scoot's number one, second number is Anthony two. Black. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. And, and I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with the floor general point guard over Amon. This is tough. We got the Pistons at five. You got Amon, who could go as high as two, um, but you already have the two guards. You have Ivy there. You have Cade there. Um, Cam Whitmore is always on Backs. the board too. Who's more easy. of a wing? Rave, rave. Um, what are you doing? So maybe Pistons. I'm gonna make sure he does fits, it. Like he's maybe getting he red. Fits the team better. <laughs> who who would you go with here, Rave? Would you just go with your? You have a crush on the Pistons. You have a crush on Amen. So this is kind of the perfect I pairing for you. I wouldn't put Amen here. So you would go with Cam? Or would you go in a different route? This is your Pistons, so I don't. I don't really feel a certain I, type of way. No, go ahead. I want to see if you make a right pick. Um, You're getting red. Don't get nervous. I'll don't be honest. That. I already. I've got sunburn in MetLife yesterday. That might. <laughs> oh, like you did. A, yeah, sixty-five degree weather. I was cold and got sunburned. Um, God, can't say it. Irrespectful. I think I'm gonna go with the fit here. I'm gonna go with Cam Whitmore. Okay, All I right, like that. I'm gonna go with the wings. You know what? You just don't give me casual vibes. You don't. You don't. I'm gonna you go with the wings. Six seven two thirty two. He's he's eighteen, right? Eighteen years old, Whitmore. Yes. Um, and he's two thirty. So like he, he's got no, some he, grown man strength, some grown man body on him. He could defend, create his own shot, and he, he kind of just fits this team better. If I said that Eamon was the most athletic, I made a mistake because it's Cam Whitmore. The man can Ooh. jump out the gym. Listen, Eamon is athletic, no doubt about it. He's a fast guard. He will, he'll probably be that hybrid. But Cam Whitmore, that dude is insane. Um, I guess I got the magic here. Facts. Eamon is a no, 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 no. You do not put him in Orlando. No, 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 no last jumper. Thing they need. Last Let me place see, bro. You, you have to impress me here. Why not? Because they need jump. They need no jump space, shooting. No floor spacing here. Um, I mean, it's intriguing. The lineup is already big. You know, you got Wagner, 6'10". Boncaro, 6'10". Their backcourt's a little streaky. None of them can shoot in the backcourt. Fultz can't shoot. Suggs' offense is non-existent. Body. Cole Anthony is a six-man. Yep. Wendell Carter. But Eamon falling at six is something Orlando probably doesn't see coming, which makes their board a little tricky here. Don't force it. You have to. No, I'm bro. going. I'm going no. Eamon here at six. I'm going Eamon here at six, man. Bro said you can't. Draft Eamon, and then you draft Eamon. Yeah, Eamon. you have to. I just think he, he falls here at six. There I just is... don't see a world where this happens. <laughs> yeah. well, you know what? This is the world. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Rib's world. I don't, I don't see a world where Eamon falls to six. No, so I, I don't see a world where it happens either. That being said, if you're the Magic, you have to. You who? need the jump shooting. So who do like, you take? Uh, Nick Smith? Taylor Hendricks crazy at six? It really isn't that crazy. If I'm flying on Taylor, I'm just going to bank on Eamon. I get it. But Eamon, honest, if Eamon if, and Taylor's there, you got to go Eamon because of the upside. If I'm selecting... You need shooting for the Magic. If I'm selecting a shooter with the sixth overall pick, I'm selecting Grady Dick. That's not a bad pick. Not bad. I, I can probably get him at 11, though. You, could, you probably could get him at 11. That's the luxury of the Orlando Magic. It may, maybe not. But we're about to find out. Indiana's no. up, buddy. All right, Indiana. Time for time for coach of the year call to make his pick, and this is this is where <laughs> Taylor Hendricks comes off the board because they do Ooh, need a wing player. You stole my <laughs> hey, listen, man, I, you gave me that option. I was I was thinking you were gonna go Taylor Hendricks because of the conversation that we've been having, but Indiana could use some wing play, especially he's playing off of Tyrese Halliburton. There's no better point guard to get him in his spots. A guy offers you size, will be is very athletic, solid shot blocker as well, rim protector. Uh, Probably play that hybrid of that that three four will provide that that type of um, versatility to your defense. So I'm going with Taylor Hendricks at Washington's like seven. the easiest pick right now. Washington Wizards have the eighth overall pick. Now this is a weird team because I feel like they have 
a solid player everywhere, but they just don't have any don't have star he, power. He didn't give me any backlash for passing on Osar. At Indiana? Just because they play not similar positions, obviously. Matherin, Heald is there. Correct, correct. I ain't mad at it. But Osar is going to play the th- facts. I look at the Wizards, Bradley Beal, Kuzma possibly is back or he's he's gone. It depends. But even if he, he's gone, I think they start Corey Kispert at the three, Kristaps yep. at the four, Gafford at the five. So right now the biggest two two biggest positions to need is point guard and a center that's not just somebody that can play rotational minutes. And I think they need someone that's steady. They need someone that can defend. They need somebody that can space the floor. And I'm going to go with a very wizardy pick, and I'm going with Cason Wallace here. Oh, okay. All right, I like that. Uh, I'll be honest. I was looking at them. I was going to say, Cason yeah, to the Jazz. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's that's a good fit. Um, the Jazz, I mean, the only two spots you're looking at as solidified, you have Walker Kessler, you have Laurie. Um, outside that, you could probably use another wing. You could Facts. use a guard. You use some dick. Good. Ah. <laughs> bro, 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 what's wrong with That's that? That's just funny. He's talking facts. Could <laughs> use some dick. <laughs> you could use some dick, but wow. yeah. Um, Grady. At Danny Ainge is at the helm. You know Danny Ainge has Utah, Grady. Um, yeah. Grady Dick does feel like a Utah type player. I mean, I'm just thinking because of Lori. But I think right now just it's, he's it's probably probably just uh, <laughs> Jairus Walker's there too, but. Um, go, I don't think Utah can go wrong. Anyway. I would say Utah because All Star dropping would be yeah. ideal to them. Jarris or Grady Jarris, yeah, you could really go anyway. I think Danny Ainge is going to go with the shooting though, and you have the six eight, the long wing defender, or not wing defender, but long person and Grady Dick, and hopefully down the line he could you know maybe it's build long, on huh? his frame Probably a little bit. Um, shot forty percent on six attempts per game. He's a knockdown shooter. I think Danny Ainge is going to. And come he's with somebody that, that he he's an, an all around player. I think. He's shown flashes of playmaking and yeah, passing. Yeah. And he, he's somebody that I don't know if I'm getting too carried away, but Gordon Hayward comps it could, could be there. Wait. Is it because? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you fucked me. You fucked me. I'm sick you took Kaysen. I would have loved Kaysen to fall to, to the Magic, but you're saying that you were going to take him at nine, so yeah. I don't feel too bad. So tenth overall pick, Dallas Mavericks. Riv, who are you going with? Huh. All-Star has fallen to ten. Yeah. They need a defender. Jarris Walker is also here that can fit the the four spot. Jaden Hardy's there. I don't see a point of picking up Keontae George. <sighs> Jordan Hawkins is there. They do need more shooting, though. Okay. I'm going to go Jarris Walker here. Okay. I'm, I'm like going to go the guy who can defend one through four. He fits perfectly. He played role player role in Houston. He was perfect in that role. Jarris Walker. Yeah. He can defend so well. So, us are... It's still on the board, okay. and Orlando would do it. That's what I'm saying. I'm letting you know that. Orlando, that's, Orlando would do it. I, I can't say that I wasn't thinking at least Jalen Hood, Shafino, just for the fact that you continue to add guard depth. I I'm assuming now, Kyrie comes back. Now you get a guard. Say that one more time. No, this isn't Oh, that. I'm sorry. I was thinking, I thought you were talking for me. Got what it, got it. No, no, no. I'm talking about Orlando strictly. Uh, Jalen Hood, Shafino is definitely one that I'm looking at because you drafted Eamon here. Eamon does not provide you that shooting. I look at Jalen, and Jalen, where he's not the best three-point shooter, he is an elite mid-range shooter, especially off the pick and roll. Uh, the one thing you do look at is probably could use a little bit more of his playmaking, as Riv and I were talking about earlier. But when you have Markel Fultz, and now we have Eamon Thompson as well, he's gonna; those two guys are primarily going to be the, the the facilitators of the offense. I just can't pass on Osar. The fact that Osar is here, 
you add a little bit more wing depth, especially with the fact that you have at the three, you have oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. You have Franz, and then of course at That's the a four, big yeah, lineup. at front at the four, you're gonna have Paolo, and then your five is Wendell. Now it allows you that flexibility if you want to play a little bit smaller of a lineup. Run Paolo at the five, run run Franz at the four. Now you have Asar at the three. There's a lot of things that you could do with this lineup. Now you have uh, Eamon and Osar, the twins together. That's something that's exciting for the Orlando Magic. I kind of got blessed. So Osar Thompson. Yeah, no, Osar going to Laddie. No, he went crazy. He started the trend, crazy. He fucked the whole draft. He fucked the whole draft. I respect it. Anthony Black, I don't think it's a bad Rockets fans. I don't think necessarily either. You know what's funny? That Rockets fans right now, I follow a big Rockets page. His name is Bias Houston. And right now, all he's doing is starting Eamon Thompson propaganda. Mm. There's like, a few all of them doing, doing it, yeah. At, at, the entire Rockets Twitter, they are hell set, hell bent on getting Eamon Thompson yep. right now. 12th overall pick, OKC Thunder. Interesting, interesting. Now, man, this is, this is an, interesting, an interesting team right here. I have no idea where I would go. Just Josh Giddy, SGA, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams. You're going to get back Shet. You know, I think they have enough guard play. Agreed. I do. I, I think I, I look at the players available right Ooh, now. Tell me you're going Nick here. Smith, Jordan Hawkins, Keontae George. I don't know if there are guys that I go with. I'm, I'm very low on Nick Smith Jr. Jalen Hood is good. I'm a big fan of Jet Howard's game. I am. Okay. His floor space and ability. I'm a big fan of his game. But you know what? I'm going to go with. A big man here. I well done. I, I well them. done. I, I are you going where I think you're going to go? Who do you think I'm going to go? I went GG. You went GG. I'm doing like my own. I went okay. GG. Here. I have lively here. Lively's not a bad picky, but that's him and Shep. I'll be honest. I'm, that's why I have it for you. Have both the the two types of centers that you could have. I'll be honest. It's between lively for me and Noah Clowney. That's the two. It's between. And I'm going to bank on upside, and I'm going to bank on Derek Lively. I like that a lot. I like that. Is that 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 one? Yeah. Mm, Big guy. And he's a he's a great he's an elite defender. It's yeah. just his nice. offensive game is seven not one, existing. Seven one two thirty. Nah, he's a big. Oh, dude. He's got some meat on him yeah, too. For sure. For sure. Um, Enough. Sorry. Thirteenth pick. We got the Raptors. Um, and right now the Raptors have a lot of questions. Their backcourt, Gary Trent and Fred, are both free agents. Their front court is pretty set. Jakob is a free agent too, but they just traded a first round. He's going to come back. He, you you think he'll resign there? Um, and then of course you got Scotty and Pascal finishing up uh, that front court. So. Their front court's pretty solidified, barring them completely blowing it up here. Um, I don't know where Fred goes. Don't know where Gary Trent goes. They could resign. They could go elsewhere. But one of them will be a liquor. In the world, of course, in the world that one of them leaves, um, I think you need a guard here. And there's one I'm looking at that's available from Michigan. Kobe Bufkin. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Bufkin from uh, Michigan, sophomore. 35% from three, six, eight wingspan. He could play both ends. He's a good defender. He could pull up, um, can finish at the rim. I saw he's ambidextrous. I don't know if he's just both a good finisher with both hands or if he actually is. But I think they have to kind of start rebuilding that backcourt, and he'd be a good start. So you would I'm go Kobe. Okay. I went KG. Yeah, okay. I ain't mad at it, though. Kobe's Jalen really Huchifino would be the only one that I think about, too, just because, again, I said earlier, I like his attributes. 6'6", six, six also. At the point guard position, that's a team already that has a lot of size. But this is not a bad pick by any means. Oh, it is my go. The last it pick. It is last pick. 
The Pelicans. Pelicans are a very, very interesting team. Um, You're right for the team that was supposed to get Victor Wembanyama. They have CJ McCollum. They have Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram. You hate like their whole team, basically. You do hate the whole team. 90% of their team. <laughs> but I can't acknowledge, I do acknowledge the fact that they have a pretty good team. Um, Lively fucked me because he would have been the perfect sliding big, big right here if he would have fell. Valanciunas could take a Keontae, bye-bye. Keontae's still available? Yes. Keontae's available, but I'm going to go here and take a more established sharpshooter, and I'm going to take Jordan Harkins at this pick. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going like to just that. go in and bring a guy who is an established shooter. He doesn't come in with the hiccups. He's not going to come in in four shots. You don't need to really fully develop him into the shot maker. think about Chris Murray or no? I think about it, but I, I, Jordan can space the floor and he can defend okay. at an okay level. Nothing okay. too crazy. I was going to say, Six, I think five. Chris's offensive game's a little bit better, more refined. Yeah, Chris is a good player. Yeah, he is. I'm going to go Jordan Hawkins I like here. that. I like that. To recap our NBA mock draft, lottery picks only. Jordan Hawkins, 14 to the Pelicans. Kobe Bufkin, 13 to the Raptors. Derek Lively, the second, number 12 to the OKC Thunder. Okay. Asura Thompson, number 11 to the Orlando Magic. Jerris Walker, number 10 to the Mavericks. That's an excellent fit. Grady Dick, number 9 to the Jazz. Kaysen Wallace, number 8 to the Wizards. Taylor Hendricks, number seven to the Pacers. My dog. Eamon Thompson, number six to the Magic. Cam Whitmore, number five to the Pistons. Anthony Black, number four to the Rockets. Scoot Henderson, number three to the Blazers. Brandon Miller, number two to the Hornets. And number one, Spurs, Victor Wembanyama. Love it. You always just got to throw a wrench in there and just... This is like the second time he's done this. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. And a couple years back, when we're looking at Anthony Black being one of them guys... So I felt about. I thought Black would. I would have Black going to Washington or way Utah. Different, way different. <laughs> black or so, Utah? I need it. Y'all remember my first mock draft, man? Who's you don't think you don't think that he goes to Orlando, number six? Orlando, that would be cool too. I, I said I want him in Utah. Like I personally want him in Utah. I just something about I feel Utah. Like he did something weird with the NFL mock. But I don't me know, or him? No, I took Bijan number eight, and it was right. Oh, facts. He did cook with that. One. No, you took um, Jalen Carter number two. Oh, oh yeah, maybe that's what it was. It was Jalen Carter number two over okay. Will Anderson. Well, he's going to be a better player than Will Anderson. 100. Especially and he's on Philly. the best team. He landed in Philly. That's yeah. a good, you know, good starting point. Jalen Carter. What can I say? So you're in on Jalen Carter? Eagles. Well, well, well no, Dallas team. is going to be the number one seed. Don't They're forget. fucked. I'm just letting you know. Well, They're we'll fucked. see. We'll see what happens. Anything can happen. No, nothing will happen. I mean, yeah. the the reality not been made yet, Dallas. How do you like my picks, bro? Respect, I'm crazy. Orlando's uh, I'm an Orlando fan. Oh, I'm all in. Amen and Austin. No, wherever they go, yeah, I'm yeah. just letting you know yeah. that. I've been. I was more texting, teams will be added. So I'm with Taylor. I know that. I know that uh, Pierre is an Anthony Black fan. So I was texting him thir- during the, the mock draft, and I said Anthony Black or Amen, and he said depends on who's drafting, but Amen has a higher ceiling. Yeah. I said Rockets if it's them drafting. He said Anthony Black is going for. That's a guarantee. He's going for <laughs> No, he said he isn't he going isn't for He isn't going for Yeah, yeah. He was like, I, I, agree. I believe that. I think Eamon has a higher They're definitely going to go with high upside. But this is my preferred. No, Black has a better floor. Like, Eamon is really dependent on where he goes. He has the, him and his brother What's has the, the biggest, spot? highest, like, boom or bust. Ideal would be San Antonio, unfortunately, it won't happen. Um... What the good else? thing is that he'll be paired up with Ime Udoka if he gets drafted to the Rockets. Yeah, anywhere with a good coach, good development Honestly, team. Question, though, because if you're going to consider Anthony Black, I get it, but would you go safer floor if you're Houston? Can you afford another risk? Not that Anthony Black is. I mean that in a case in Wallace sense. 
Houston just got Ime. I think Ime at four, that's go. extremely high. No I doubt think personally, Ime will go the defensive route, and Amon is a better defender than Black for sure. But that's why I say Kaysen because Kaysen, you could argue, Kaysen's is ceiling isn't as high. He's 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 more of a floor. That's like, why I say he has the highest floor. Yeah. If you're the Rockets, can you afford another risk? Not Kaysen saying that Amon's a four huge is nuts. Risk. Yeah, no, crazy. Like but Bianca, no, no, like, I'm not disagreeing. I only say that because we're having conversations <laughs> about. Andy I couldn't Black's. even say the word because like. we're having conversations about Black. I feel like people are torn between Anthony Black and Kaysen. I think it's understood that Anthony has the higher ceiling, but with the, sometimes it's safer to go with the higher floor, especially for your team. And I only say this for our sense because we have Anthony Black here at four. With the Rockets needing a player that has a low, a, a higher floor. Is that even a consideration? That's the only reason I beg the question. Yeah, I look at Case and Wallace as like more Marcus Smarty, like okay. where he's very valuable within the team construction. Got it. And I look at Black as like he's like an All Star level type of guard. Okay. So okay, I would probably. Go I'm not Black against that. Kaysen. I just I look at Kaysen. I love his skill set. I think that for the fact of his size, his ability to defend, very high level. Oh no, yeah, he's a great. His, his offensive game is all right. He's a very solid playmaker. Not a bad shooter. I think 45-35 splits, that's very firm. But I think for how great of a defender he is, I think that between Anthony Black and him, it's definitely a conversation. Yeah. Kaysen Wallace to me just feels like... Are you going to say Davion Mitchell? Yeah. Okay, I have a taller feeling. Davion Mitchell. Okay, I think his offensive game Younger, is better, though. though. So he'll probably be better. His offensive game is better, both scoring and playmaking. Uh, Davion is last year in Baylor. But Davion's... Defense. Davion was much older. Is better. Facts. Yeah, but Davion was last year in Baylor. The scoring yeah, he no, showed he's... was they were comparing him to Donovan Mitchell, which I always thought we, was. But we don't bizarre. even know what Casey Wall is going to be at at twenty three years old. You know, so yeah, I'm know. with you. But oh. just right now, he just feels like a role player guard to me. That's what he is. To okay, me. that's fine you know. if you feel that. I way. think Black is like, like I said, you know, Josh Giddy. That's my comp for him. I think both of them have very similar skill sets, and I like Black too. Yeah. Do you? I do. Good. Yeah. Be the allegations. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that's going to do it for our mock draft. Now, Drew, it's 541, and he has to go I do. out right now. He's I do. Have Not a bad thing. Going out to dinner with the missus. She's taking me out as a graduation gift. We're going mm. to the chart house. It's going to be uh, pretty late. Beautiful. Going to get wine drunk, no doubt about it, and watch my late show after. And didn't do what? Hey, wouldn't you like to know, honey? <laughs> All right. I'll see you all. Now, filling in for him, he's tag teaming John. Nuts. Sorry? Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by loss and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. And if you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free. Within 30 days, there's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PICKASIDE for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. 
Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. He's tag team and John. Love that. Here comes this guy. Nothing like a good tag team right in the middle of a show. Look like Matt and Jeff. I'm downloading this image. I'm going to post it on our Twitter right now to see what they think of it. Dude, thanks, man. Same to you. I know you need it. John took a picture of your wall and said it. I just saw that, yeah. yeah the wall was shaved. Yeah. The wall was shaved. It's crazy. I am <laughs> Only thing that would have made it worse if, if, if Darius Garland's jersey was up there. Damn. You didn't have to do that. You didn't, you didn't have to do that. I'll be honest. Got a better what than Harden? Who? He's losing me. I'd be honest. I'm not saying it. Please, please. Ignore him. Ignore him. Just ignore him, please. 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 He did. Garland was the only reason for one win. Respect him. Harden won two. You no, heard what John? Comparing. John just Same. said by default. John <laughs> just said by default. Darius Garland has a better Please playoff. Take resume. that up with John. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even know if we then want James Harden. All right, here we go. Hey John. How you doing, fellas? How are you, John? I'm soft. That's really ugly though up there. I mean, soft. Girl. You said? No, ugly. James oh. Harden jersey in the wall. Like what are we doing? You think it's a nice one? That's embarrassing. It is a nice, nice color. I guess we're talking about him tonight, but golly. Golly. Are we talking about them today? Yeah. Golly. Talking about it very, very briefly when we talk about the Rockets and their draft selection. Yes, yes. Mm. That's what we're doing. Now, still recording, by the way? It is still recording. I just want to make sure. And now, Dells. Toward the <laughs> Now, Dells. Celtics, Heat. Loss. I mean, how do you feel about game one? <laughs> just, y- y'all keep losing these game ones. You got ones. no teams left, bro. You're no, rooting for the third fan. of the league. No, I'm a Heat fan. Um, Damn. Game one. Wasn't the ideal start to the series, but we also lost the first game last year. Lost first game of the Philly series. The Celtics, I said in my analysis of the series, they don't make anything easy, um, and the Heat make everything hard, and that's what we saw. The Celtics were up nine going into halftime. They were up twelve at one point in the third quarter. The Heat came roaring back. Bad offense by the Celtics, turning the ball over, missing open shots, and Miami just offensively were hunting mismatches. They were hitting threes. They shot 52% from three this game. Um, For the Celtics going forward, I I really don't think it's rocket science what has to happen. I know my good friend to the right of me, Joel, thinks this is a Joe Missoula problem. And, of course, Missoula blames part, you know, partially it's his fault. But a lot of this is on the players, man. They got to get this shit together. You can't allow the heat to go on these runs, to keep turning the ball over, especially if you want to move over to the fourth quarter where there's a couple minutes left. The Celtics cut it to a five-point game, I think, a one-point, even a four-point game. Tatum has multiple turnovers where he just travels, and all of a sudden just the lights get too bright, and he just looks completely out of it. But I think for going forward, Rob Williams comes out of the starting lineup. You put Derek White back in, who defensively looks like he almost lost a step than what he did in the regular season. Um, especially these previous two rounds. I don't know. He looked great against the Hawks, but against Philly, he wasn't that good defensively. And in game one, he wasn't that good either, especially when you have Jimmy Butler pointing you out, taking you down to the post. Derek White's not going to be able to win that matchup. But I think for game two, Derek White comes back in. You have better spacing. That's something that I think Marcus Smart was talking about, how in that third quarter, the spacing, they just kept stepping on each other's toes. The spacing was bad defensively. We talked about how terrible that was. But more than anything, I don't want people to get just overwhelmed or just put all the blame on Missoula when everyone went crazy because third quarter didn't call a timeout. There was a media timeout, I believe, at the 6.30 mark of the third quarter. 79, 78. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think it was actually tied because that was right after yeah. Jimmy Butler had the and one tip in. It was 78, 78 with Butler going to the line. 
after that, the Heat went on a 24-13 run. So that timeout to get everyone together, it didn't happen. The Celtics, the same should happen last year where they were winning the first half against the Heat. Then the Heat in the third quarter went on a 39-16 run the third quarter. It's really the same exact shit that happened last year. This is why I didn't pick the Celtics in four. I didn't pick the Celtics in five because they have these lapses in judgment and they have these inconsistencies where they're not locked in defensively. And when they're not locked in defensively and they're not getting stops, it's hard to score in a half-court setting, especially against this Miami Heat defense. So I think going forward, just about being locked in, they'll be able to make adjustments, but I'm still taking the Celtics in six. You know, I think the Celtics will still ultimately win this series. Six games is a good prediction. The Miami Heat shot 52% from three. Now, will that happen again? I said it wouldn't against the Bucs, and then it continued to happen. But I kind of have more faith in the Celtics for this hot shooting to stop happening. (laughs) And, you know, for what it's worth, you know, I know my friend John here loves to ride on Tom Thibodeau. You know, Tom Thibodeau limited Jimmy Butler for for those six games. You know, their players didn't shoot as well as they did game one against the Celtics. I'm starting to think maybe Missoula should take a – little page out of Thibodeau's notebook and start throwing different looks at Jimmy Butler. We need more double teams. The, the The fact that he was getting any switch he wanted was bizarre to me. I think at all times it has to be Marcus Smart, Tatum, or Brown guarding Jimmy Butler. It, and this is the key to the series. We, we saw Nikola Jokic say in the second round to the sideline, they only have two players. The Heat only have one player. I don't mm, give that respect to Bam. They, they don't. It's not the Bam caliber of Devin Booker or Kevin Durant. No, no way, no how. Well, it's not. They're irrelevant. It's so. not. <laughs> they're better than Bam out of ball so. all the time. What are you talking about? They're irrelevant. Well, Bam and Jimmy are in the ECF. Cares who's better. Kevin Durant got a championship too. Yeah. Actually, stacked team. Devin Booker win the finals. His first playoff run. What are you fraudulent. talking about? Oh Everybody yeah, it was, was fraudulent. Oh sure. I guess you, it was like fraudulant. You like to mention it? Since I guess it was Golden fraudulent. State, Jimmy and Bam have won more playoff series. We're here, John. I needed you. So does he have a championship? Does he have a championship? Does Devin Booker have a championship? What do you mean not yet? This is never going to happen. Does Devin Booker have a championship? He's going to get one. (laughs) With Kevin Durant? I seriously doubt it. But don't you think a lot of Jimmy Butler taking a step back in round two was because of his ankle injury in game one? I think that it still would have affected him in this series, too. Because Thibodeau is not going to let him go off. I want to ask you the question. Why is Grant Williams not in the rookie? I would love to. That's the one thing I've seen that I have no idea what the fuck Joe Mazzulla is doing. Is he I, injured? What's going on? Grant is fine. He played even some minutes in the Philly series. He's been in and out of the lineup really all seasons, the second half really going on, that there's games where Joe Mazzulla seems like he's in the doghouse for whatever reason. I mean, this year he hasn't been up to par of his last season um, you know, playoff run. But Payne Pritchard, who really has not gotten any sort of consistent minutes damn near this entire season – to just throw him in in a game one against the Heat and say this is what we need makes no sense to me. If you want shooting, you want offense, I will go with Sam Hauser um, just because he's a better three-point shooter. He's actually had consistent minutes, at least in the regular season, and even some in that first round against Atlanta. And he's bigger, and he's not obviously a great defender by any means, but at least he's not fucking Peyton Pritchard, who's like six foot out there, who's just going to get targeted by Miami. I have no idea why Missoula went with that move. I have no idea either why. Grant Williams has to play heavy minutes this series. He has to play starter minutes this series. And I think, listen, Dells, you have been defending Missoula. I understand. Because as a Celtics fan, you've seen this Celtics core go through two head coaches now. Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka. So I I can understand why you were tired of the blame game. But the lack of adjustments from Missoula are evident. The, the in-game management is a problem. And then Grant Williams not playing 
is an issue too. There's no reason why he should be in the doghouse given yeah. what his skill set is. The rotation's questionable. I thought in the fourth quarter the Celtics were getting good looks. I mean, they, they outscored the Heat in the fourth quarter. It was just that third quarter. I do think the other issue is Missoula used two timeouts in the first quarter. In that third quarter, I want to say we only had three remaining. You know how much he loves to keep those timeouts, especially he hasn't used his challenge yet. You want to have at least two going into the fourth quarter. Um, but I, I have no explanation for the rotation. And they, they asked him after the game or the day after they asked him today why Grant didn't play. And he just basically avoided the question and said, like, Grant's always ready to play. Like, that's basically Thanks what he was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, you guys actually outscored them in every single quarter except, except the third. The third. It's the same thing happened last year. In the first half, the Heat didn't look like the Heat. Um, they were turning the ball over. Defensively, they were getting beat on every drive. It seemed like the Celtics were able to get to the rim at will. So not only were the Celtics not great in the third quarter, they didn't look great game one. The Heat in the first half didn't look great either. They went to the locker room, tightened it up. Spoke. There's no, as much as we like to blame Missoula, there's not going to be a moment where he outcoaches Spo. It's just not going to happen. The Celtics are going to have to win this series player for player by their players just being better than Miami, which they are. But in this game, there's just something about this Heat team where they just they don't they don't waver, they don't lack focus. You know, they they come together as a unit and they just battle back from and they were they were down 12, 13 points. They didn't rattle. They got back together. Max Struess hit some shots. Gave Vincent hit some shots. Kyle Lowry was big for them, and they got back into the game. Jimmy Butler, bam, and they started to get in the going. There's something about this team and the cohesiveness of this team that it just doesn't rattle. The confidence is at an all-time high, and you like that from a team with limited talent because you have to you have to do something to outweigh the talent, and that's their confidence. And I think Boston didn't necessarily play a bad game. They were just pretty inconsistent throughout this game. You know, you mentioned in the first half, they looked great. Marcus Smart was hitting Dom after Dom. Rob Will looked good. Tatum looked good. They looked really good in the first half. You thought it was going to be probably be a blowout. You thought this was going to be a game one uh, Boston blowout. Then in the third, Miami came out defensively. They crunched it down. Offensively, they got it going. Bam came out firing. He was aggressive early. And that's how both Miami's going to have to win this series. They, they made mistakes in the first half. They didn't make many mistakes in the second half. And I said it. They're going to have to win in the margin. They're going to have to get every loose ball. They weren't going to turn the ball up. They can't get beat on every fast break. They have to be pretty much perfect to beat a talented team like this. And in that second half, they were pretty much perfect. And that's what you love to see from the Heat. I just think, you know, Missoula got a lot of the blame, but... You got to look at the players at one point. You can't blame Missoula for Tatum turning, uh, traveling the ball. You can't. You can't. You can't blame Missoula for them switching on every single guy. At some point, you're looking at Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason they, Tatum. Marcus here. Smart is a defensive player. At some point, y'all got to be like, yo, we can't keep switching and letting Brogdon and White get cooked. At some point, it has to be the players that come out and sit and like. And we said the same thing with the Bucks with Giannis and Drew Holiday. At some point, y'all got to say fuck what the coach is talking about, and y'all got to come on the court and y'all got to be like, yo, we can't keep letting this happen. So uh, Missoula gets some blame. You know, he's not the perfect coach. He is a rookie coach, but sometimes you got to really just look at the players. And I think this game is specifically on the players. And to go off your point, I just think the Miami Heat are a more resilient team. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. And that's not a shot 
at Boston. But they're probably the most resilient team in the league. Miami yeah. Heat just beat a number one seed in five games, regardless of injuries. And when you look at what Bam did against this Boston team, I think the Miami Heat are a way tougher matchup for Boston than the 76ers were because we saw, especially in game six, Joel and being drop coverage, Lane Tatum get going. But with this Miami team, what they're going to do, just like Philadelphia, what they've done against them in the past, they're going to try to run them off the three-point line. But they're so connected defensively, you're going to beat Bam in the mid-range area. He might be the most versatile defender, if not in the NBA, in the Eastern Conference especially. But I also think for Boston, because you played this team three times in the postseason, the players are used to Jimmy and Bam. But I don't know if Joe Mazzola has as much of an advantage as Spilstra because he's been at command for all three playoff runs. The rest of the Celtics, it was Brad Stevens, then email last year, and this year, it's a third coach. And look, I do agree with you. Jason Tam just has to play better, and he will. I'm pretty confident in that. But I actually think there's a difference that doesn't get talked about where Ime Adoka was more hands-on. And I felt like when things were going south, he was able to kind of snap the group back in place because he was more on the ball, a lot more disciplined. And I felt like he held his players more accountable than Missoula, who's less experienced and also is more hands-off because he's younger than Al Horford. You know what I'm saying? My so rebuttal I feel to like that he, is this exact same thing happened last year in the third quarter where right. they outscored us by 20. But I think it's <laughs> like yeah, that's pretty bad in game yeah, one, too. I'll, I'll be like, that's <laughs> that's why it's like I get the whole EMA stuff, and you could continue your point, John, but we've seen the same shit. Brad, we were blowing leads. We weren't right. being focused defensively. Uh, so EMA, we were blowing leads, not being focused. It's the focused. same players. That's why, yes, like Missoula deserves – partial of this blame but this is a Celtics team that's been to the fi- the ECF five six times they went to the finals last year like I know Tatum's 25 and JB's 26 but these are veterans like right. these are guys that have made deep playoff run after deep playoff run right. they yeah. know what it takes to get to the finals now I don't think we could just be like I can't believe Missoula allowed that shit like <laughs> nah they gotta put this shit together yeah the young okay. shit is Fair done enough, but I feel like Yudoka's personality is a better match then for the Celtics team than Missoula Am I alone on that? I mean, they're they're not as vocal. The vocal leaders of this team are smart and Horford. Your stars, Tatum and JB, are more reserved. They're not as outspoken. Listen, I think you're right. But where I'm going to disagree on is that maybe on a night-to-night basis, the Miami, the Miami Heat might be a more resilient team. I think the Celtics, and this is what I think drives a lot of their fans crazy, is that when it's a regular game one game, the effort's not going to be there for all four quarters. But when it's a closeout elimination game, when, they're, when their backs are against the wall, that's when that team comes out. Right. And we'll, <laughs> we'll see in this series, when, when the Celtics' back is against the wall, against the Heat, they'll outshine them 10 times out of 10. Uh, and they, they what's even more just uh, infuriating is every time this happens, whether it was against the Hawks, whether it was against the Sixers this game year. Game two is a blowout. But my, I, I feel like you, the, you, sorry, the players have come out and yeah. said we cannot keep just putting this like lackadaisical effort out there when there's no pressure, and then once there's pressure on us, like you said, just outshine the other team. This has to be the same sort of focus. You have to think you're down 0-3 yeah. when it's zero zero, or you're up three zero. That's how I think how Miami thinks every single time they get on the floor. They have to because they're not as talented. Boston, I like as talented as they are, they don't think like that all the time. Miami yeah. thinks like that. Every single time they get on the well, floor. That's why the is going to six. Celtics favor. Listen. Ah, and I, also down the stretch, Tatum has to be like every single time in that fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler was taking the ball up the court and he was getting to the action. On the opposite end, Jason Tatum, I know he had zero shot attempts. He got to the line two or three times, but six. he was six free throws. Six total. Yeah. yeah, he was not 
initiating yeah, the yeah. offense like yeah. we saw in that JB third quarter was. against Philly. Yes, and that's why I'm like, JB, I love you, bro, but this is why you're not the one on this team. Everyone wants to tell you the one. This is why it's Tatum because he, he reads the court better. He's a better passer, a better playmaker, and a better shot maker. Mm. Well, you said they're going to blow him out game two? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I'm taking a spread. Sorry. We were minus eight and a half. Hey, they, they did their job. They stole one. That's their job. So. Miami's undefeated. The Heat aren't going to continue shooting 50% from mid-range. They're 11 of 16 to start this game. I think the three-point shooting I was is so a little pissed. bit more sustainable at 40%, but they shot 50% from three. Whereas the Celtics shot 34. We're going to see a lot of shooting. Man, we keep saying games. Miami can't sustain this. Can sustain that. Year, man, <sighs> I felt like last year the Celtics were a better team, and all of us were favoring the Celtics, and yet the Heat still took it to seven. And I think this Jimmy Miami Butler three team, away from <laughs> exactly. I think this Miami team is better than last season without Hero. With because Hero last year was hurt and he gave him nothing in that. Damn, series. he's been hurt back to back time. That's kind of crazy. But last year it was in the second round where he yeah. got injured. This season you have Kyle Lowry. He only gave you one good game in this time around last year. You lose all Depot, but then you add in Kevin Love, who adds more three point shooting, and Max Struess is maintaining that level of play. Duncan Robinson, if he gives you some, that's an add-on because he doesn't give you in transition at the rim, but in defensively, what Struis can add. So I feel like Miami just has more continuity. Their bench is slightly better. Taylor Martin this year, you can make the case, has been better. He's been one of the best reserves this year. And honestly, Joel, I mean, I think you and many people have underrated this Miami bench. From the time I told you in the Knicks series, they're going to outplay the Knicks bench. He said, no way. They have like two players Celtics. coming out the bench. Exactly. And so the Celtics. Won. I think well, you're no, 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 that's no, no, he gets I like six, eight minutes. He gets like but six I minutes. I think this bench can play pretty close level of the Celtics reserves with Brogdon and White. I don't think they're going to be that far off again. I think you're undervaluing Victor Oladipo's contributions to last year's Miami's team. Well, there's no doubt. He was a I big agree. part. He was a big part of Jason Tatum not and playing GB. his most efficient well, basketball. So. Angie Brown. Brown. Yeah. They don't. They cannot replicate that elite defense that he offered last year. I don't think this Heat team's better than last year. I think they just called it lucky stretch that uh, they yeah. continue to sure. be on. Sure. They're not making yeah. the finals. I They're not making finals. I'm telling you, not making the finals. Just because he's putting this out to the universe, he's the one. They beat an eighth seed, yet they're lucky. Who's more valuable? All Depot in the series last year or Kyle Lowry in this series? Well, we Oladipo have to wait and see. Year. I would say Oladipo. We have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, we have to see more. Yeah, Oladipo, Oladipo last year. Lowry was dog shit, it's though, last year. It's funny how so. Joel went from Celtics getting cooked by the Sixers or the Nets. Now that he hates the Heat and the Celtics, it's tough times. <laughs> you got to pick one. I picked pick, pick the, the Celtics, Celtics I, last series to beat the Sixers the in five games. Is that, hey, look, if the Heat win, you still can clown Dells. Five? I don't remember this. I beat, I I beat, the, I beat the Celtics to beat shit. the Sixers yeah, last yeah. series. Oh, because I think Embiid, Embiid was hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did yeah. say Embiid I, was I mean, hurt. I picked I picked Boston to beat the the Sixers. So now you're wrong right out <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> so I'm just talking about from an objective perspective. I think that your fascination with Jimmy Butler, your fascination with Spo and this and his story, I think your fascination with the, with his Heat team has you thinking they can go to the finals and maybe even win a championship. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it it's not going to happen. Three-one. It's not going to happen. Finals. They're not making the finals, Make and the they, they don't. They have no chance of winning it all. Stop. No chance. Stop cursing Yo, us. No chance. The whole chance. video collab of you when the Heat crazy. do win it, yeah, it's going to be crazy. They have no chance. I don't know what he is sipping. John's right, though. It's a win-win because if it does happen and we lose to the Heat, Joel could be like, oh, my God, you lost to Kayla Martin and Max. Oh, yeah, he's going to cook. Do you change Jimmy Butler? Do you change Jalen Brown? What did you just take? Yeah, I already cook. know, he's man. I mean, you know you know for sure that he's not making the finals. Let's 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 stop playing over here. Let's please stop I have my prediction out Let's there. please stop it. I'm not so gonna, you had I'm the Heat before the series winning. I had them in six, personally. You, you had, had the, the heat, heat in six. They're respectful six. 
I think the Celtics are a great chance. Because I know you have a tendency of saying things on the show and saying something different on your Ooh, show. Flip aside, protege. Because he, he wants to take a picture of the James Harden jersey on the, no, on the wall. Hilarious. I was watching the clip of his show. He was praising James Harden. Oh, he, if he accomplishes game seven, he's going to be all time. Damn, John, he got you. I didn't say that. He's lying? <laughs> Yes. Bro, his own, his, bro, his, his own co-hosts are like, John, pick, what are you doing? Sounds I like you with Joel. the Lakers Nuggets. Ah, I'm telling you, man, this guy. Joel, the theory of James Harden actually gains the finals and winning would be similar to many other past legends. Like, think of a Dirk. If you get a championship, people kind of just For sure. get rid of the playoff choke artist narrative because all we're going to remember in 25 years is that he won a championship. I mean, yeah. think of, like, Gary Payton and Jason Kidd. They didn't win championships at the end of their days, but we don't put them on that list. If John Stockton won a championship with the 2003 Spurs, he would not be on that list, and he wouldn't really remember as much, as vividly, those playoff th- downfalls with the Jazz, because what we're really going to see is, oh, he's got the championship. Did you? So that's what I say. Did you, did you ever, at any point of your existence, think that James Harden is capable of, of winning a Game 7 closeout like that? I had never seen it before. I had to see it. Joel didn't believe it. So, 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 if that, if, if you, if you already were on the side of, I'm doubting this guy 95%, even throwing that theory out there into the universe is wild for you to say. Three of 11. So, to even say, oh, this guy, maybe he can do it. If you don't think he can do it, it was just about the championship. Uh, Three of 11, though, this time instead of two of 11. So, we're making some progress. That's when he went against the Warriors in 2015. Oh. And then 2017 versus the Spurs when Cook. he lost versus Oh, when he got blocked by Manu Ginobili? Yeah. yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, so he just forget about... right? What? Ten turnovers, I think game. it was 12 in one of them. Yeah, it was, it was a record, yeah. Right. Dog shit. I know. You know, John likes to pick and choose the players he bullies. You know, Jam- <laughs> bullies. J- James Harden is one of those players that he's not fond of. You know, his playoff resume is not excellent. And I'm, I, I'm somebody... I'm it's somebody, an all-time, all-time underperformer. Yeah, I guess so. But then you know, I players know so. players you were for underperform. Oh, it's it's because he was tired. He's it's because he was injured. If I, if oh, I understand. Oh, Garland. He always talks about Garland. He's twenty two. We'll see what he does. No, bro. We no. were talking about when Jimmy Butler underperformed in the first round versus oh, the Bucks, yeah, he and he said it's because he was tired. Come on, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Keep the same energy. They did beat the shit out of the Heat. Though. <laughs> it it's because he was he tired. Beat the shit out of them this year. So that's all I can say. And now make the finals anyway. Just fucking lose in the play-in. Like they were supposed to. But then the Bucks would probably beat. Looks look easier for you guys. They do. Giannis missing 13 free throws and shit. Yeah. I get we have because we, we know how to guard that. Like we go with the two big, and that's really our best line. Yeah, he's just, Dallas, I just I just don't know why you're not confident in your in your basketball club. <laughs> you're not confident in the Celtics, man. Listen, I picked the Celtics in six. I'm still standing on Celtics in six, but like I don't think Missoula is by any means like a top ten coach, top five coach, anything like that. He's probably but bottom twenty five. I first. just <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> people who like forget what the Celtics have looked like for the past four years and are just looking at this team and be like, how is this possible? And then you look at the bubble and you look at last season and you're like, oh, the Celtics are doing the same shit the Celtics have always done where they have easily the more talented team or even one, one of the, most, the most talented team in the NBA this season, I think, and they're just lapses in judgment and lapses in defense and they're allowing teams that aren't as good as them beat them. We've seen this shit for years. Like at some point, especially when you've gone through three different head coaches, you have to look at the players and Jason Tatum, who's at an MVP type level and Jalen Brown, who we say is the second best or the best Robin in the NBA and Al Horford, who is a great against them beat and Marcus Smart, who just won DPOY last year. At some point it has to be on them and not the coach just calling a timeout to get everyone together. No, it's on the players. Mm, Before we go on to the next topic, we're going to give the Steelers record prediction. Wow. Okay. 
Now, a big reason why John is here is because John is going to give us his prediction. Shall I re-sign Mitchell Trubisky, Record prediction. Better save some money on that. (laughs) And I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if as each win or loss we name if you should just keep the count up because I think once we get I into get that bad. below 500 range, John's just going to rattle off W's across the board. I'll, uh, I'll but, keep count. I'll keep count. We'll see. Dell's just keep count. We'll, 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 we'll throw it on the screen for each one. So week one, 49ers at Steelers. Oof. This is, by the way, this is the Steelers 2023 record prediction week one, 49ers at Steelers. Steelers will win. Don't know what the 49ers quarterback is. I also think lost last year the Bears week one. We'll so they're going to beat the team that went to the NFC yeah. Championship. Part of it? They're going to beat the team that went to the <laughs> NFC Championship. This week me. one, my friend. Biggest toss-up of the season. I want to know. Browns at Steelers. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh taking that one at home. Yeah, you split. I see where this is going to go. Split. Yeah. split. Maybe. Two and oh. We'll see. Steelers at Raiders. Steelers going to take that one. Three and oh. Steelers at Texans. Steelers starting off 4-0. Interesting. Ravens at Steelers. I think the Ravens take week five. Last year they beat us at home. No, they didn't. I lied. They didn't. Steelers at Rams. No, he said Steelers being Ravens. Oh, you said... No, I'm the Ravens being the Steelers. 4-1. God. Still first. Steelers at Rams. Mm. You're struggling with this one. This Rams team is terrible. Look at that dog shit. So you you were thinking about this, but you didn't think about the Niners. He didn't think about the Niners at all. He just Steelers win. Right. I have a lot more respect for McVay. Kyle <laughs> um, Shanahan? What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. There's something wrong with John. John, you're really struggling with this one. You went through the Browns and the I'm Ravens kinda, easily. I'm trying to think. I just well, think Matthew this is Stafford a letdown healthy week five. Well, I just think they just got sets and Bennett. That's why. <laughs> so That's a great point. Uh, I'll take all the Rams taking this one close one. What the Born fuck? Two. Jaguars at Steelers. Let me get the Jaguars that one. <laughs> Okay, four and three. Titans at Steelers. The Steelers won at home for Tennessee. Five. Packers at Steelers. That's a tough one. A lot Love of first home games. A lot of home games in the first half. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh in this one. Six. Steelers at Browns. The split, right? Split. The Browns so, will win this one. Six and four. Yep. Steelers at Bengals. Are you splitting with the Bengals too? Did last year. I think we will split with the Bengals. Six and I five. think. We lose this one, though. Yeah, at, at Cincy. Carter knows that Steelers. Pittsburgh's taking this one. Seven. Patriots at Steelers. Lost them last year. I think this year would take care of business. Eight Much better defense if Watt's healthy, especially. Steelers at Colts. That's a good one. They okay. are. In Indianapolis. Is it 4 o'clock here? <coughs> you're asking a lot it's of questions. It's TBD. TBD? <laughs> Does that change? The <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I'm going to go with Pittsburgh in this one. Nine wins. Bengals at Steelers. It's the split, so you get Steelers this one. Steelers will take this one. And wins. So you it's, have the Steelers splitting with every team in the AFC North. I think they'll go three and three in the North. This shit yeah. is nuts. He it's has them reasonable. winning 10 games. Is there any more games left, or is that There's way more. Steelers at Seahawks. Seahawks will win at home. 10 and 6. Yeah. Now Steelers at Ravens, last game of the you, season. You get this one. I have them losing before. Yeah, That's you true. had them losing the one. Yeah. Shit, I got Steelers going 11 and 6. Then 11 and 6. Okay. Nuts. So they're beating the Ravens. <laughs> we won nine games last year and just had the best draft in the NFL. True. Penny Pickett going a year. Best two. draft is a stretch. And TJ Watt missed yeah. half of the Eagles last exist. Year. We're getting a su- if TJ Watt's healthy, that's a superstar in the best edge rusher duo. The Ravens the got NFL. better. The Browns got better. The oh, Bengals are still great. 
Miami got better. Also implementing a new offense with a new coordinator, so they're so their ceiling for the regular season might be a little bit lower, but in the playoffs, their ceiling will be higher. I look at Cleveland; I think those games will be toss ups, and for the Bengals, I think we'll split with that. I mean, number one, we've upgraded our secondary, we're enjoying Porter and Patrick Peterson. But at the same time, if TJ Watt is healthy next year, I think the Steelers team should win 10 games. So you're counting on an aging corner (laughs) who's still good, but he's not the player he once was, and a rookie to come in and make an impact. TJ Watt, don't forget that. What do you think of Patrick Peterson last year in Minnesota? He was good. Exactly. He wasn't phenomenal, though. In a pretty rough... Him and Cameron Sun are the the same level of corner right now. I think Sun's better. I would say Sun's probably a little better. Yeah, no, he is. Um, but Joey Porter is going to be a great scheme fit, great for the AC North. And then I think offensively, too, if Najee's healthy, he was terrible the first half of last year, playing with, like, a metal rod in his in his like shoe. So if he and Watt are both healthy as the engines of each of the two sides of the ball, with Isaac's Mayalalu coming in, the offense line will be so much better. I think You're welcome, by the way. Oh, give you Isaac. Appreciate yeah. He's got to stay healthy, though. That's a big question with the Steelers team. Is Sam Malu, Watt, and Harris all stay healthy? We can win 11 games. Leave it to the Steelers fan and make the Steelers predictions. I mean, I love, do you win the division with 11 wins? No. I think Cincinnati will get it. We'll come in second or third. Interesting. You, you beat my bro. All these teams are going to win like yes. 11 plus games. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I told you the other day. The AFC North, they, most of them can make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't See you at the end, bro, buddy. See. My Browns are winning the division. They haven't in my lifetime. So I just have a tough time <laughs> believing the Steelers can, Sean can be 3-3 three and three in the division having the worst quarterback in it. By a I mean, worst line. case, I feel like they go two and four I think though. Two and not, I don't, you know. Yeah, because because I think you know the Ste- the Steelers from personnel perspective aren't as good as the Ravens, Browns, or Bengals, and then the quarterback is a major drop off. They do always find a way to win though. They have probably the best coach. So to play devil's advocate, he said eleven and six. I think the Niners beat them. I think so too. I think That's the Niners right. beat them. So that would be ten and seven. And you don't think they're going to go three and three? So one of those games is an L. Yes. So that'll be like nine and eight. And then I, I, maybe this is a toss up. I understand, but I would have the Packers over the Steelers. Go either way. But you know that's why I like Jordan Love. You do like Jordan Love. the Steelers record last year in division. Um, Maybe just Google it might be. So we were three and three last year in the AC North, and we had a worse team. How many games were those with uh, without Lamar Jackson on the Ravens? Well, Lamar didn't play against us last year. At no, all, no. He Did hasn't you guys... played it since twenty twenty one. Damn. Uh, well, he didn't well play I mean, him being hurt is not. This guy's nuts. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's true. I, I think you guys will be around that ten win mark. I don't know yeah. if you get to eleven. I think you guys would be one of the surprises of the NFL with all the Absolutely. I I don't think though that people give enough credit to this defense because when healthy, it is top five. And they're going to turn the football in the ground game. They have so many weapons. The you, need, only question, you need Watt healthy for 17 games. Oh, yeah. Tough no, but if he plays 11 or 12 games. games with Alex Highsmith getting this extension, I think Highsmith can be a number one outside linebacker with how much he's developed. And then you look at the weapons too, man. The only thing holding the back is Matt Canada, and then Kenny Pickett stagnating his development. But I'm expecting Pickett to be better this year. I mean, also, sucks. keep in mind, Mitch was dog shit last year. He started he the first couple of games too. And he started off damn near 0-3 because of Plus him. Plus the Jets. So... Exactly. He but Kenny Pickett came in that game and threw three picks. Yeah, and Pickett was they, better, both, they both did. Pickett yeah. was better than Mitch in that game, even though he threw a couple of interceptions because you don't use context, and only one of them was really on him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first one, the Hail Mary. That was on him, yeah. I would say. No, the, right he time. had two of the interceptions were on him. Right, but one hit Pat Remuth off the hands, and it was ricocheting into the air. Facts. And the last one was a Hail Mary. So One hit him off the hands. Why? Because he tried to throw a ball into the flat. It was a stupid decision to throw it in the first place. It wasn't the hands, best ball placement. It was not the best ball placement, though. He probably should have threw a little bit higher to get out of bounds. But even I still. He probably just should have put it in the dirt. 
Hey, he still looks better than Zach Wilson who played in that game. <laughs> I mean, hey. Well, good. Uh, no, Zach Wilson was definitely better that game. Oh, he was. Well, he that was. Fourth in the quarter, quarter was insane. That was the best game Zach Wilson played. I, wait, hey, John, let me ask you a question. Don't, don't is with is me. Zach Wilson my starting quarterback? He might be. No, wait. Who's my starting quarterback, John? Right now, it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh, right now. Right now. My quarterback's Aaron Rodgers. Right. So why are you talking about Zach Wilson? Because he was your quarterback in that game, dude. But that's not the quarterback I have right now. John, so it's irrelevant. The most optimistic view. What's up? What is Kenny Pickett in this league? A top 12, top 10 quarterback. Kind of like a Dak, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr to me. Okay. Not great. That's the absolute ceiling. That's why I, I agree with him. Because that's why I was like, most optimistic view. I, I don't see a world he gets into that top seven, top eight range. But he does have the intangible that I think Derek Carr may lack. But Dak Prescott has. And I'm not sure if Dak has it either, watching the last couple of years in the playoffs. I look at Pickett and his clutch gene. We saw it at Pitt. Bain himself so on the, going the that fifth season. year. And, I mean, this year he had four game winners last five, six weeks of the season. There's a moxie to him the way he carries himself. And I think that can translate late in games. And he's won so many two-minute drills as a rookie. And I know he's 24, so he's going to be turning 25 next month. But, man, Joe Burrow came to the NFL at 23. We'll see. Kenny Pickett or Tua? It's a great question. I mean, I don't trust Tua's health. But if we're talking about Tua at his peak, I would slightly lean Tua for now. Okay. But I know this year, I think I'll lean Pickett. Right. It factor. Groundbreaking. <laughs> hey, it matters. That's what he has. It matters. I don't know how much, but it's tough in that AFC to win Joe games. Burrow has it. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow definitely has it. He also has, like, much better pocket presence. Number one uh, pick. Elite level traits, too. Best college season ever. Yes. Are the Spurs the perfect team for Wemby? The Spurs won a draft lottery. Victor Wembanyama's going to the Spurs. We all know that. And this has some people saying maybe it might be rigged, right? Because there's some obvious Spurs connections. Tony Parker, one of the greatest Spurs ever, is from France. Boris Diaw from France. France has a big Spurs fandom. And Victor, you know, he said, I woke up this morning and I thought this was the team I was going to. Maybe the NBA handed him a little something to keep his mouth shut and say, listen, this is where you're going. But ultimately, this is where he is going. And I can't think of a better spot for him. I would have loved Dallas. I had my top five preferred destinations. Number one was the Mavericks. Number two was the Spurs. The Mavericks were always unrealistic. The Spurs had a, had a great chance to get them. And I look at this team and Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson. Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson are two players that can score 20 points per game, space the floor. Jeremy Sohan, I think, is going to be a Swiss Army knife in this league. Then Victor Wembanyama and the other young players they have, like Blake Wesley, Zach Collins, Malachi Branham. Those are some good role players, and they have $40 million in cap space. I think this team is is on track to really surprise everybody. If Victor is as good as we think he's going to be early on, which is at least giving you 18-6 and six or 20-6 and six a night, Maybe even twenty and ten because of his size, but usually players of that size don't aren't the league's best rebounders. I, I think this team can push for a playing spot. I think they're that talented, and I, I like their pieces a lot, especially coached by Greg Popovich. I, I don't see how a team that was led by Dejounte Murray just two years ago was able to make a playing push with Victor. Now they should make it. Why? Why? Right. Like, where was the? Sh- well, okay. I don't think they no, should rush on. the timeline. Because why did you just do that? What? <laughs> you, looked, said, what? you looked at me the whole time. You, you saw me smirking, and then you brought up the DeJounte stuff. Like, what's up? I'm saying they were able to make a play and push with DeJounte Murray. The West is much, much better than what it was. I mean, I think with Victor, 
Okay. He's generational. I mean, we're we're not talking about just a regular guy. LeBron didn't make the playoffs his first year. Team's not as good as this team right now. Good point. Who I mean, did the Cavs have outside of Ricky Davis? Let's talk about Victor. I don't think I the Spurs should pull what the Mavericks do with Luka, where is Victor Wembanyama a generational prospect? There's no doubt about it. But he also is raw. I don't think in the NBA it's going to be this high-octane three-point shooter, which we saw early on that G League game versus Scoot Henderson. He takes a lot of threes. I think what it's going to come down to is Greg Popovich molding him into where the Spursian type players can take a lot more mid-rangers and build his game off of there. Right now, he's a pretty limited passer. I mean, his turnover ratio was pretty poor this last year. He's going to have to build the right habits, play more off the ball, and offense that won't entirely be built around him, though he will be the focal point. His biggest al- his biggest value, his asset right now, is going to be defensively he's one of the greatest rim protectors I've ever seen. I mean, at 7'5", he can... His recovery is something you probably have never seen before. He's got an 8-foot wingspan. He flips his hips so naturally. He's got nimble footwork. And all the while, he's got good instincts to anticipate stuff. It helps, obviously, when you're the biggest guy on the floor by a country mile. He's 3 or 4 inches taller than Joel Embiid, who's 7'2". With all that being said... I look at this Spurs team with four first-round picks coming in from the Hawks, one from the Celtics in 28. They've got another from the Raptors for um, one of the couple, oh, the Acapurtle trade. What it really does come down to is building a team around him with a better point guard. Trey Jones is a free agent. I don't think he's going to be the facilitator that Victor needs early on. And if I'm them this offseason with the $46 million we have in cap space, I'm not splurging on a Harden to make sure that year one is going to have that facilitator. I want to get another top-five pick in next year's draft and then use some of that remaining cap space on a better point guard in the market. But I think the end goal right now, or the goal for this season by the end of this year, is getting Victor to develop as much as possible while saving enough cap space to have the flexibility when he's in year two, year three, and year four, then make that splash. But I don't think there's much pressure on this team to make some move right away. I think they should be patient here with this young core they have. So they do have their own pick, Charlotte pick, in Toronto. First Our round pick. Getting shouldn't they have, right now shouldn't they have Atlanta's pick right now? Um, I think that's twenty twenty five. Yeah, this, I'm talking about twenty twenty four. They have uh own, their own Charlotte, Toronto. Maybe this doesn't show. Um, this is fan stuff, so maybe it doesn't show swaps. But it's Atlanta's twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six and twenty twenty seven. Yeah, so maybe it shows more. Um, did you find it? It's not popping up. What their own picks? No, it's the Atlanta. Was you trying to find if? Uh, no, I wasn't trying. I was looking at the mock draft stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, it's a bunch of Rockets fans saying that Anthony Black over Amon should land Jalen and Alcatraz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you're fucked, by the way, buddy. Um, wild, man. Yeah. I agree with John. I Unfortunately, John is wrong because the media is going to put an insane amount of pressure on this young man. They're going to put an insane amount of expectation. I mean, you, t- you saw Broussard and Nick Wright having a field. It's so, so insane. But speaking in here, in what a nice... They were talking about if he's not at least Katie oh, or Hakeem. Yeah, no, no. Chris Buzard said if Victor Wembanyama is not Hakeem, or if he is Hakeem, Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant. Disappointment. He is a disappointment. Nuts. Hakeem is like a top 10 I player. Say, bro, has to be but, a top two player of all time. Yeah, all right, whatever. Uh, but in here, in the studio, we're very, um, not over the logical. board. Yeah, somewhat logical. And, uh, and I think there isn't much, there isn't, there shouldn't be a lot of pressure on this young kid. He is generational, but like you said, he's a little bit of raw. You know, he... He has to come in. He has to fit more to the NBA game. He has a lot of game to work on. And the Spurs don't have to rush anything. Like you mentioned it. Trey Jones, uh, we were talking about this earlier. Trey Jones is a fine guy, but they do need somebody better at the point guard's position.
position. They do have Devin Vassell. Uh, they do have Keldon Johnson. They do have Malachi Branham. So they do have good players there already. They have a lot of draft capitals, so some, a good amount where they can add more assets down the road. They have a lot of cap space. They have Greg Popovich. They actually have a good staff now that I was looking at it. Um, so they have a good connection to get Victor to what he to give Victor what he needs and to continue to make him better. I don't think just because he's generational, you have to put this insane amount of pressure. We've done it to players before, and I don't think we should do it to Victor. I didn't think we should do it to them before. It happened to Zion, happened to LeBron. It was so much insane pressure on them to be great right, right away. And sometimes greatness happens, it takes some time. You know, we've seen guys like Steph Curry blossom late, he turned generation. So sometimes it takes time. And I think Victor, you know, he landed in the right position because the Spurs rigged enough, have developed great bigs from David Robson to Tim Duncan. So even LaMarcus Aldridge went there. He was really good. Boris Diaw went there. He was really good. So they've developed or aided these guys in developing their game, and I think that's something really important, especially the movement and the system that San Antonio likes to run. It's a lot of Europe-style uh, offense, so I think that's really good for Victor. He can kind of come in, transition easily. But this is a slam dunk for San Antonio, slam dunk for Victor. You saw how excited he was to go to San Antonio. I think this works perfectly for him. It's the spot that he needed. You know, we talked about Charlotte, but their dysfunction in the front office and the players that they have may not be ideal. We talked about Houston, but the young players might rattle Victor's mindset, might put him in the right uh, in the wrong uh, position. We talked about other teams, but San Antonio – with the players they got, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, who keep their head on straight. They're kind of to the point. They work hard. They stay out the media. Trey Jones is another one that does that. Greg Popovich. These guys stay on the right track, and I think this is somewhere San Antonio. I mean, Victor should have wanted to go. Actually, that video came up in my timeline today of the if Dejounte Murray if the Spurs what was it Spurs oh, yeah, yeah, uh, the Spurs out of the league yeah uh-huh. that shit came up today I was crying watching that today. yeah it's always funny to watch it yeah um but no this this is a great spot for Wemby I feel like I almost overlooked this spot because. You just imagine like, oh, Lamelo and Wemby, Jalen Green and Wemby, right? You think about all of these potential landing spots, and like San Antonio is almost boring in a sense because you don't think of Kelvin Johnson and Dem Vassell and Trey Jones in the same light. I mean, as they should, as guys like Lamelo and Jalen Green who have a higher upside. But this is great because I think Wemby could just stay out of the way. San Antonio is small market, and you're going to be paired with you know the best coach. One of the best coaches of all time. Right now, Popovich has been more or less unserious with the Spurs team after the dynasty left him. Duncan got old and all of those guys moved on. But now that he has a young team and all of the cap spaces, John mentioned the future draft assets, you could finally start looking at the Spurs team taking shape. And Victor Weminyama is someone who's going to come in and automatically be a game changer. What they were desperately needed, and you could say this about damn near any team, but you need someone to change the franchise, right? As great or as high as you might be on a guy like Keldon Johnson or Devin Vassell, these are not guys that are going to come in and be able to carry you to the finals. And, of course, you're not expecting that from Victor year one, but his ability to be 7'5 and play like a fucking guard and basically do anything you want on a basketball court is the type of player that could carry you to a championship. I know there's videos going out of Kenny Lofton being able to back him down the post and hitting layups on him and drawing fouls and all that shit. And there's going to be times during his rookie season where he doesn't look great. There's going to be times where he's going to get bullied. But more or less, that's just the nature of the NBA, right? We have, no matter who you are, you have these welcome to the NBA moments where it's like, oh shit, Pablo Prigioni just put up 15 on me. Like, what the fuck happened, right? There's just so many good players out there that Victor Wembanyama is not going to look great for 82 games for 48 minutes, and he's going to struggle. But for his long-term, I think, outlook on on his career, this is a great spot for him where he could just focus on ball, be coached by one of the best, and just stay out the way. I don't agree with uh, 
with the notion that the Spurs should just continue losing until they get another top player. Because, I mean, for one, Wemby said it after the Spurs won the lottery that he wants to win the championship as soon as possible. I understand you don't take that at face value, but the Spurs are in a situation where their roster is depleted of talent and they cannot be competitive. We've seen this team with DeJounte Murray, a similar group of guys, make the play-in tournament. So this supporting cast is capable of at least winning some games. Being competitive. And if, almost lost 50 games, though. Wait, so can I and if, you, if you prop in a player like Victor, right. and you don't have to get a James Harden in free agency, you don't have to get some big-time name, just get players that are veterans and can right. complement the rotation – I don't see why the Spurs shouldn't want to be as competitive as they can as soon as possible. But you're saying, like, you, DeJounte is understandable, but the West is much better than what it was that year. There's about 10, 11 teams that can really compete this, like in the, in the West. Okay, if you're going by that, then I want to find that out for myself. Right. I want my team, I want to put my team in the best position to win. Yeah. And find yeah. out if we stack up but, yeah, but for I think, ourselves. I don't, I don't want to go into the season saying this year is just to develop oh, yeah, Wemby. That, that part, We're not I trying agree. to win. We want another top pick. Here's the thing. They've only been tanking for one season. What you don't want to do is what the Mavericks did, where you shorten the timeline, and then the runway to contending is so br- abrupt and so short that you're almost staying in the margin for but error. Did the Mavs do that with Luka being great? They did that with Luka and KP, and by second, third season, he was expected to do that, and they had no lottery talent around. But this is, but this is the— Victor, I think— you're right. You're on the right path. You want to bring the veterans. But what I was kind of getting at here is you don't want to take a page out of Dallas's playbook and not put more young talent around him. I think you use Dallas a lot, right. and I don't think that's a fair example when it comes to this because Dallas had a lot of miscues along the way that has put them in the current position they're at now. I don't think Dallas went wrong by – not tanking and acquiring talent. You're basically saying that the Mavericks should have continued tanking so they would have had top picks to select at the top of the draft. That's not what I believe. In the same Luka draft, they drafted Jalen Brunson. They made a conference finals in Luka's third, fourth year. Fourth year. So four years in, they made a conference finals, and that was disrupted because they didn't bring Brunson back when they had multiple opportunities to re-sign him. How many teams right now in the NBA do we see are competitive and they lack that lottery talent? But it's great coaching, it's a player at the top you trust, and it's a bunch of complimentary role players. Ooh. What young team right now lacks lottery talent and, and still is competitive? The Miami Heat is a perfect example of that. That's different. Bam they have Tyler. a superstar. Yeah. And Bam is the a, Milwaukee Bam is a Bucks are, The Milwaukee Bucks are a prime example of that. That's a good one. That they also have a superstar. We're talking about a rookie coming in right now, and you're talking about he needs to – like we're not saying go out there and outright lose, but there's no rush to yeah. be in the play, and there's no rush to make the playoffs. There's no rush there's to no be rush. I'm not saying there's a rush to, yeah. but this team is good enough to do that. I don't, I don't, ah, I it depends, on, it depends I on free agency. It depends on free agency. Because so la- heading – in a center like – Brooke Lopez, Miles Turner, even a Grant Williams. Like one of those thicker post defenders that Victor can play. You'll have to trade for Miles Turner. Like, for example, first round pick. Like, for example, did you expect the OKC Thunder to be in the play in this past season? No way. I don't think I did. They exceeded expectations, and I don't think I view that as a negative. I don't look at that and say, wow, the OKC Thunder should have actually been bad, so they would have gotten a top five pick. I think that the season was successful. And 
it's not like the Spurs. This is the first time they've tanked this deliberately. But the last couple of years, I mean, this past draft, Jeremy Sohan, ninth pick. Malachi Brandon, 20th pick. They had a pick in the lottery in Sohan. And the year before, Josh Greenwood didn't pan out, but he was a 12th pick. The year before, it was Devin Vassell, the 11th pick. So with Vassell, Sohan, and Wemby, those are three lottery picks you have there. And Keldon Johnson is a borderline all-star level player. So I don't think this team lacks talent. And No one's saying if, that. And also, I know nobody's saying that, but I don't, be, I don't believe in the idea of trying to lose. I don't think so. And I think the Mavericks caught themselves in a bad situation because they made a myriad of moves that have put them here. But when it comes to the San Antonio Spurs, there are more examples of teams that have a top star and their team is filled out by players that may have not been picked at the top of the draft. We saw in 2019 with the Raptors, it was Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Serge Ibaka, Norman Powell. All those guys were not lottery picks. Yeah. You know, we see it all the time. So that's why I just don't agree with the notion that the Spurs should continue tanking. I think this team can compete. They can make a playing push. And if they don't, if they don't make it because the West is so damn competitive, that's fine. So what happened? Exactly, but I don't agree with saying, you know what, let's, let's not try to sign these quality free agents because no. we don't want to win as much as possible. I think year one, they should try to win as much as possible. Well, I just don't think Harden's the best example of quality no, free no. agents. That's why. I, I don't think they're, he's going to be a target for them either. I don't. I, I think I would be fine with Trey Jones starting at point guard. I for agree. Them. For this yeah. year, I agree. I'm not, I don't think anyone's saying they should continue to tank, but I want you to keep in mind, from 2020 to 2022, they were trying to win in those years. They went 34, 48, 33, and, and 39. Like 32 and 39. They have not been good for like four this. years. Um, this was the first year they tanked, like I mentioned. I agree with you. they got to make some moves in France to add some depth and quality pieces that fit around Luka. What I'm getting at is that while you don't have to tank, there's no pressure to win in year one. There's year not. two and three, it will start to become all right. It start to take those steps to the plane. But year one is merely about Victor's development. With Devin Vassell, Keldon, and Jeremy Shohan specifically a lot on him. You want to figure out what is Jeremy Shohan's potential. Can he be an all-star or just like a high-level role player? It's, like It's Scotty not Bonds? just them, though. It's Vassell, too. Johnson, Malachi, Brandon. Like, everybody is still young. Everybody right. has to continue to develop, yeah. work on their game. So, it, it, like I said, I get both points. You know, you're saying. But it's, I also think that with the Spurs, they didn't take deliberately the last couple of years because I don't think there was a prospect as, as high as what we were seeing Victor being. Victor, of course, is the, the best prospect in the last couple of generations, but Paolo Boncaro was not this right. number one surefire superstar option you drafted. I didn't think he was going to go number one. Cade Cunningham was not that either. Kate, like th Those are great prospects, but we did not view those as franchise sure. changing. I do think you're giving Pop a little bit too much credit. I feel like they're trying to compete after losing Kawhi, and he wanted to prove he could win without him, and then realized the best way for me to win without Kawhi by eventually hitting on this generational prospect. Like, out of spite, they wanted to win immediately when they weren't ready to with DeMar. I feel like this year, like, first couple months, they tried to compete. They just oh, weren't five good. Oh, to start the season. They just were garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Not that talented. Yeah, shit happens, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I, I just don't think that, you know. They were talented at one point, too. They were sitting a lot of their guys, like, Keldon, Vassell, Vassell was Jones. hurt. They were like, sitting Keldon. That's the bottom five roster Hurdle was the there. West. But True. those are all pretty good complimentary players. If you put in this, like, this is a yeah, no, life now it is facts. franchise I don't, I don't think anyone's surprised they were a bad team this year, right? Like, no, <laughs> yeah. But those those guys are complimentary, really talented. I mean, they pretty much have their starting lineup set, so it's yeah. about bringing in role players and vets. Because Trey Jones, outside of Trey Jones, Vassell, Johnson, Sohan, Victor will start. That's yeah. four out of five. Could we see Colin Johnson get traded for a point guard? Like Jordan Poole? A point guard, Jordan Poole? 
I don't really view. I don't see. I don't see Keldon in a. I don't think Keldon's been on Golden State's radar at all. But I don't. I don't think I'm getting. I'm giving Pop any credit at all. I mean, I don't think I mentioned Pop once. And I think that in the the Kawhi Leonard trade, I don't think it's Greg Popovich trying to prove he can win without Kawhi. I think it's him just not wanting to be a part of a losing organization. That's fair yeah. too. And he's just trying to be competitive. I think Demar Derozan, Marcus Aldridge, you know, it's just painful. They in theory, the, the Bulls, it was competitive. They have core. the Bulls' twenty twenty fifth pick. I gotta go unprotected. Yes, I can't Ooh, do this. What's shit that twenty twenty eight Celtics pick? I think it's like top one protected, dude. Brad Stevens. Is this shit ain't even up here, dude. Celtics are quite. I don't see it. Do you think they start Zach Collins next year at the five with Victor at the four, or they just have Zach Collins come off the bench? I would have Zach Collins come off the bench. I think Sohan is a better. You're fan not up next here, buddy. This is fan spell. Maybe fan spell's wrong. <sighs> the outgoing is 2024 second to you guys. What? That's outgoing. You oh yeah, we got it. We have the. Oh no, that's next year. We have like the third. So, okay, the Spurs. The point. Spurs have Atlanta's first round picks in 2025, yep. 2026, and 2027. Yep. Unprotected. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, it says protection. no protection. It's a W. That is a W. Unless they could good be, again. they could be, in, uh, they could have imploded by then. Even if fifty-fifty, it's really uh, up in the air right now. By yeah. the way, the Hawks are trending right now. You think it's fifty-fifty, more like seventy-thirty? I don't know. I think they're pretty excited about how they looked against Boston. I think they'll try to retool. Maybe go for a seven-game first round next next year. No comment. Uh, we're we're Garland fans, bro. We can't really speak too much right now. Right. Now in our mock draft, five games. <laughs> you know, in our mock draft, Riv. Hey. You selected for the Hornets, and you <laughs> selected. What's in your throat? I need water. Um, and you selected Brandon Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over Scoot Henderson, and then talking about the Hornets right now, we're going to talk about what they should do. Should they go for best player available, or should they draft or fit? On most people' boards, Scoot Henderson is BPA, and Miller is the best fit. Yeah, yeah. Now, walk me through your thought process and why you think they should draft or fit instead of best player available. And why you went with Miller? Okay, so I people have this conception that I think Brandon Miller is better than Scoot, and you that's love Scoot. yeah, and that's not really that's not really what I'm saying with the Charlotte pick. What we've seen in the NBA is we've seen double backcourts with two point guards not really be as successful as we want them to see. But what we've seen is a point guard surrounded by wings and defenders that be the successful trend. And I think with Lamelo Ball, six seven point guard can space the floor. Great playmaker, great in transition. This is somebody, if you pair him with multiple wings that can defend and shoot the ball, this can be a really good team. And then you, you got to look at the roster. I mean, Terry Rozier's there. How are they going to get off of him? Uh, Gordon Hayward's there. They're probably going to be able to get off of him. P.J. Washington is, is solid. So I, I think Brand, the, the, the mindset I went through with Brandon Miller is he wasn't the best player available, but he fit next to LaMelo for me the most. A guy who's good in the catch and shoot, good as a spot up, can defend 6'10", 6'11", 6'9", whatever he is. He's pretty big, very mobile. I know the the report re- recently just came out as we were starting the show, which kind of hurts what I w- I'm saying, how he was out of shape. He didn't do well in the interviews, but this was pre before I even knew about that um, article. But I think what Miller provides for LaMelo is much better than what Scoot provides. And I know LaMelo can play off ball, but... He's six seven. You keep you keep you build a lineup of six seven and up with defenders, guys that can space the floor. I don't see an issue with that. I think that's really really good, especially for Charlotte, who needs a change of scenario. They definitely need a small forward. Kelly Oubre is going to be a fridge in the summer. Uh, he was a decent fit for them, and nuts. Dude, it's kind of nuts that Terry Rozier is going to be under contract to twenty twenty six, making twenty six million dollars. He's so when he's really a six man. But 
I actually have the exact opposite opinion where Miller this year improved a lot at the rim as a finisher where he was terrible the first month. Last couple, he was getting to about 59, well, close to 60%, which is yeah, yeah. much better for Wayne. But there is a limitation to his game, I think, in getting to the cup consistently. Now, with Lamelo, it's much of the same, where he's more of a three-point shooter. Some of his shot selection is a little bit questionable. I think you need an injection and transition, a spark that can get to the rim to pair alongside Lamelo. Where Lamelo is going to be one of the toughest shot makers in the league, one of the best three-point shooters, but he doesn't get to the rim a whole lot. He's more reliant on the floater game. I think the dynamic between him and Scoo in the backcourt, that could be the best backcourt in the league. And with, with Lamelo being six foot seven and Scoop being six foot two, built like a grown man with insane athletic tools, I'm pretty confident Steve Clifford can make him a good defender. The same way Dennis Smith Jr. this year went from a shitty defender in Dallas to a de- I would call him an elite defender this year right. in Charlotte. I really think Scoo can be a high level defender. He is my number two prospect in this class, and I do think we're kind of underselling his potential. Um, I think he can be that one guard. That's hyper-athletic with a three-level scoring. If he can take that mid-range shot, he's already developed at 18, 19 years old and extend that to three-point. We're talking about top three-point guard in the league here. Mm. I mean, his athletic tools, his burst, his last step, his acceleration, his body control, all of that is next level. The passing's underrated. My comp from is De'Aaron Fox, but he's like, built like John Wall, and that's another comparison. Ethan Wall was pretty big coming yeah. out. I mean, Wall's similar size. But you, with Brandon Miller, not only did he just – improve because you said he's limited I, I don't know if he's limited because you saw throughout the season not only did he improve in his finishing at the rim he improved his playmaking in games where he was being pretty much face guard and shut down offensively he was still making plays offensively he made defensive plays down the stretch late in games also so he improved and everything that they said he couldn't do right. throughout the season he did he improved it every single that's outside of the nation outside of march madness that's what I was yeah, yeah he uh, we're just throwing that away we don't care i don't think you throw it away but i value the 30 plus games prior that's to fair. march madness than march madness and i think with him improving every single month that pretty much everything that they said he couldn't do i don't know about limitation that shows you work he works hard he can improve his game but the scoop like scoop going too i don't see a problem with that either i just would prefer brandon miller in this situation but scoop six two athletic freak and get to the cup at will i do want to add with miller i don't think enough people talk about while he was terrible in the tournament in the last game of the sec tournament he did suffer a groin injury that is, he was questionable and that context always gets left out but what do you think about Lamelo and brandon in the playoffs do you think that's a physical enough duo to actually win at the highest levels uh physical enough do i can't even, i can't answer that because they're both really really young and we yeah. haven't seen Lamelo. unfortunately we've seen Lamelo in two playing games and it's not ideal right. it's not very exciting i think with LaMelo and Brandon Miller, they're, they're long, they're athletic. They can be able to bulk frame, but their game is, I get what you're saying, their game is more flashy, more finesse, mm. less physical. With Scoot, it's more physically imposing. And maybe more importantly, am I the only one that's worried about Brandon Miller going into Charlotte with that culture they have? Like, I think Scoot Henderson can be the guy that changes the culture in Charlotte, which up until this mm. point has been disastrous the last five years. I didn't even think of that, to be honest. That's, I a, good that's a good point. I think it's different just because... I don't think looking at Miles Bridges, we should just James Buck cast James this Buck entire Knight. shadow on Charlotte. <laughs> well, I mean, just, James, James Buck Knight, listen, I, he probably just wasn't just as good coming out of college. And I think Steve Clifford, what he values as a coach is defense, and James yep. Buck Knight plays none of it. Mm. So I think it's unfair to paint Charlotte as this disaster when it was Miles Bridges got in trouble, and that's his own personal actions. We're seeing in Memphis right now, we're not calling them a bad organization, yeah. even though Jaws is is doing his antics right now. I don't think it's fair to cast that on your organization. If I'm the Hornets, I go for best player available, not not a best fit. And I think that's Scoot Henderson. 
I love Brandon Miller's game, but I'm still not sold on LaMelo Ball being this top five point guard in the league, top three point guard in the league. Mm. And I feel like a lot of his game is flashy. It lacks competitiveness and toughness. And Brandon Miller, I'm not sure if he has those type of qualities that Scoot has in terms of being competitive. I look at Charlotte and I like the two-guard duo. LaMelo Ball can easily play play shooting guard. And in transition, when you have Scoot Henderson, LaMelo Ball is passing. I think that that can be one of the best transition teams in the NBA. And the Hornets can't afford to go best player available. I think they just need an injection in talent. You have Scoot, you have Mark Williams, you have LaMelo Ball. If you get Scoot Henderson in there, I think you add another layer to that talent. And as talented as Miller is, I think Scoot just has a little bit more upside than him. Did you say they can or can't afford to take the best player on the board? They can't they can't afford they, they can't, can't afford to not. take best fit. Oh, they can't yeah. not. They just they need talent. Right? They That's do. the biggest okay. issue. I think I mean this happens a lot of time, even in, in the NFL where you have someone who's been hyped up for years, right? Like Bryce Young is, is a recent example and Scoot too, where we've known for probably two plus years at this point, Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the class. Scoot Henderson is a number two pick behind Victor. And then right when it's time to draft them or a month before, everyone just looks at the flaws. Like everyone fucking knew that Bryce Young was small. Everyone knew he was like 5'10 and like 190 pounds. And everyone knew that Scoot was the second best player, but now all of a sudden Brendan Miller comes and has a great season. And now it's like, oh, do you even take Scoot number two overall? And not that it's a direct comparison by any means, but you could also look at what the Warriors did with James Wiseman, where you had LaMelo Ball, and I think for the most part he was consensus two over Wiseman, but the Warriors like, damn, we already have Steph, we have Clay, and we really need a center, right? Like, we have the guard play, we have the shooting. Is there really a need to take LaMelo, number two overall? Now he's to come off the bench. How does that look? And not that it's a similar situation, because Scoot would, I think, start right away, because, like you mentioned, they just need the talent. I think, overall, people just start to not overrate, but just get carried away with all of the negatives for one player like Scoot and then hype up everything that could be with Brandon Miller or someone else. Scoot's a generational type prospect. He's someone, like you said, it could be a top three point guard in the league. And that's not saying Brandon Miller can't come in and be an all-star level player either, but I would rather take the chance on a guy that I'm more confident in that could come in day one and contribute, especially when you have all the stuff that's going on with Brandon Miller, not just the off the court stuff, but being out of shape reportedly, having bad interviews reportedly. I think that's a pretty big red flag if you're trying to take guy number two overall. The Blazers have the third overall pick, and it's fascinating what direction they're going to head in. Fascinating. Because there was a Twitter interaction that happened between Dame and a a fan, (laughs) and this fan said, I'm muting everybody. It's undervaluing the Blazers' number three pick and insisting on trading Dame. What's wrong with you all? You think we suffered this long to go out like that? Goodbye. Dame quoted and said, if the fans want to trade me, start the petition and send it in. And that's led to a bunch of fan bases starting petitions, Blazers fan themselves. And Dame basically is just saying, like, I've been wanting to be in Portland for a decade now. But if the fans don't want me here, then maybe they want something different. I feel like this is a cop-out. I feel like he wants out of Portland. He's just not saying it directly, and he's trying to have a cop-out here. I look at the players available because the third overall pick is going to be insanely valuable. What star player can Blazers get with that third overall pick? The star players that could be available right now off the bat are ones that have shot their value, like Julius Randle and Carl Anthony Towns. Those players don't move the needle for the Blazers. 
and some other long shots could be a Jalen Brown and could be a Paul George with the Clippers if they want to blow that up this offseason. But realistically, there's no move the Blazers can make to be a top six team in the Western Conference. So I think at this point, they're doing themselves a disservice if Damian Lillard remains in Portland. It's not even just them. It's a, it's a them and him problem. I th- I think you mentioned names. The third pick is more valuable than Cat. I'm sorry, especially with that big contract, the way Cat's uh, career is projecting. The third pick is far more valuable than Julius Randle. I don't even think we need to go too Hell deep no. into that, especially with the way his playoff blunders, blunders look. Unfortunately, the, the third pick for Paul George doesn't make sense. He's not going to give you 60 games a season. He's very injury prone. Um, to you, and he's 33 years old. You kind of don't want to limit yourself to a guy who's injury-prone, 33 years old. Still a great player, but he's not going to give you those games plays that you need. The only feasible answer, the only answer that makes sense, if you're a Blazer GM, the only answer that makes sense to your organization is to trade Damian Lillard. You're going to get the most assets for Damian Lillard. If you trade the third pick, you're just going to get respect to Mikel Bridges, but you're going to get a Mikel Bridges-like player, and that's not moving the needle in the West to make you what you want to be, and that's a championship contender. If you trade Dame to a team like the Nets, to a team like Orlando, just hypothetically speaking, you can get a, a maybe not a heavy haul, but you can get a good enough haul where you can draft maybe another player in this draft, get picks for next year, picks after that, another young player, maybe take a flyer on the player like Ben Simmons, I don't know, but just to get off the contract. Like, you can get something better for trading Dame. You have Anthony Simons when his numbers without Dame are like 27 points per game. Like, it's just fucking ridiculous what he does without Dame. You have Shaden Sharp who showed flashes of being an absolute star. You have Nasir Little there who's still a good player, good young player. You have Chauncey Billups, a coach who you can bring in a new player, which he can learn under, who Scoot fits what Chauncey wants to run. He loves defense, 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 and Scoot works hard on that end. So that is a player Chauncey can groom, he can fill with. Dame just, as great as Dame is, the ceiling has been up for this team, I feel like, but now it's really the Blazers have never been in a position like this to where they can move off Dame so much easy. They have the third overall pick in this draft. Even, even if you miss on Scoot, right, I think Eamon is still a perfect fit with Chauncey Billups, a player who can defend Anthony Simons. going Eamon over Brandon Miller. I'm, I'm just, like, giving examples. Like, even if you do miss out on Scoot, right, Eamon is also another one who can defend. Brandon Miller's right there. You can have Anthony at the point guard, Sharp at the two guard. You plug Brandon Miller right in. Whoever you bring back, you're bringing in another hole. Like, there's just too much to do with Dame and trading him. I think the ceiling is up for him here. I understand he's been arguing with people on Twitter Bro, just ask out for a trade. You going back and forth, this, that, and the third. This team cannot win, and we've seen that for years now. I think it's a realization. The team has to know at some point, these guys can't build around them. Mm. They have the last two years. We've had top seven picks the last two years. Jeremy Grant. The hourglass is emptying. Shit, I think it already is empty. And what the Blazers are doing is ruining what could be a great young core. Shane Sharp is special, and as you said before, Anthony Simons is a star without Dame. And by not choosing a timeline, you're kind of wasting the opportunity of developing this young team with all the assets and all the increased draft odds by trading Dean. If they didn't have Dean on the team the last two years, could you imagine the picks they could have been getting? The same way the Spurs had to move DeJounte Murray to get the first overall pick so they can go from a 34 to a 21 team, the Blazers need to do the same thing, right? I mean, you're going to pay Jeremy Grant $200 million this offseason so you can maybe be the 10th team next year with Yusuf Nurkic still as their starting center because you don't have any resources to actually upgrade. That's a pretty big issue. And the Damian Lillard era has been special and it's been sweet, but now it's starting to sour. 
and I don't know how a fan of the Portland Trailblazers could look at this and be like, yeah, I'm down for this. Let's keep doing this. Next year, we'll get the ninth seed. Maybe the in, when Dame's 35 years old, he can be the eighth. <laughs> Dame's 33 years old. He's going to be 34 next year. At some point, you got to evaluate what your future is, and I just don't really have the energy to talk about that anymore. Crying. It's time to move on. Didn't we say, I forgot what it was, maybe the end of the NBA regular season, we said we were going to stop having this conversation about Damian Lillard? Damian I think we all said last year to move him. Yeah. I think we also last but year. I thought like, we had a topic. I forgot what happened. We had a topic in the last few months about Damian Lillard and basically the same conversation of like, we go through this shit every fucking year, every like three yeah. months, the trade deadline comes up, the end of the season. Like there's always these talks about Damian Lillard and his future. And I think John just hit it right in the head. You have to pick a side really. Like it doesn't make sense if I'm the GM to move forward with Damian Lillard because I don't really see a world where you're going to trade the third overall pick and get someone of that value. Like Riv said, you're not going to trade the third pick to get Cat and pay him fucking $50, $60 million. You're not going to trade the third pick to get a Randall or Mikhail Bridges. Like, none of those guys are going to be able to move the needle enough to make you a championship caliber caliber team. And at this point in Damian Lillard's career, I know he does not want to make a move just to become a first-round playoff team that's likely going to be a first-round exit, or even at best, a second-round team. I know the West is, is pretty open, right? We saw the Lakers as a seven-seed, although they're better than a seven-seed, be able to make it to the Western Conference Finals. We see a two-seed get bounced. So there's a lot of things that you probably didn't expect in this playoff run, and maybe the Blazers are looking at that. And I know there's a lot of teams probably looking at that saying like, hey, if we just get into the playoffs, and we get the right matchup, maybe we can make the same run we're seeing the Lakers do, and we can get to the WCF. But in reality, it's not like that. It's an outlier where you have LeBron and AD on a team, and not everyone else is going to have that. So if I'm the Blazers GM, I'm looking for whatever team is going to be not desperate enough, but give me the most assets. I look at a team like the Knicks who think they're that one piece away, one star away to get over the top mm-hmm. and be able to make an ECF run. I don't even think the Knicks would trade for I don't even Shit. think I don't think they, they shouldn't. would I don't think I they would I don't think they would put the I think the Knicks are far in a way a move removed from what they used to do. I don't think they're gonna put themselves in a tight position to I mean, trade Dame everything. Was, for Dame, Dame was a bad example because you have Jalen Brunson. But um even if like I just, Listen, I just think with, they have a new regime. I just think with Portland, it's run its course and it's been a while since it's that's happened. I feel like the Blazers are done and it's not only that they have the third overall pick in this draft, they have the 24th pick from the Knicks as well from the Cam Reddish trade, who what if Derek Lively slips that far, which is possible, you can now have either Scoot, Amon, or Miller, and then Lively, and now you fill two of your biggest needs at forward or point guard and then center. So I, I, th- I think, and also the haul you'll get for Damon, any trade that you'll trade him to, you know, who knows? And I wouldn't. I know this is a long shot, but Orlando could be a sneaky situation where I I they can trade for Dame. And I understand it's a team that is not competitive now, but you have Paolo, you have Fran, Franz. It's a great setter. You have, you have role players. You have wings around him that can defend. And not only that, but they have the 6th and 11th overall pick in this draft. Maybe those can be needle movers with some other picks and a player, and that could get you Dame, and now you can accelerate your your window to compete right hey, you now. You throw six, eleven, one more, a player or two. It's fun, but their window's not now. Who? Magic. It, it's. it's yeah, I mean, two, I mean, Dame would be thirty-five in two years, and Dame can bump that up a year. Realistically, want to bump up this young core a year and kind of invest. L- a look, lot look, of the look, look at the look at the landscape of the East. Respect to the Knicks, they're a good team. They just went to the second round with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Respect to Miami. Love Spo, love Bam, love Jimmy Butler. 
limited talent. The Bucks, number one seed, just lost in the first round. The Nets made the playoffs with Mikel Bridges. Well, I mean, Kevin Durant and Kyrie had a big upgrade, but they made the playoffs. They didn't win a game, but they'll be around. The Cleveland Cavaliers just got smoked out as talented as they were. The East is in a crapshoot. Like aside from the Celtics, which they have their nights, there's no legit consistent team. Right, but what you're... I think the Magic's best course is developing and building around Paolo and not having him be a number two off of Dean. You want to realize his potential and have him maximize his ceiling. Uh, yeah, 1A, 1B vibes. Yeah. I don't I'm sleeping on the 1A. They can play off each other. Hey, they pick, could, pick, pick. They can play off each other. I think it would be a killer duo, but I think you want to put your eggs into one basket. Yeah, I understand. I, I think regardless, we're basket. all saying you trade Dame and, no, that is and a, move with the, the oh, youth yeah. movement. I don't know what's really stopping this. He Blazers doesn't want to fuck up his motto of run from the grind, and the Blazers are too is that, committed to him. this Twitter shit he's been doing today kind of... He's probably being sarcastic I, and trolling. I almost feel like it's like a soft launch of saying, like, hey, you know, he you refuses to. if you want. And, nobody, and the thing with the, he doesn't realize, nobody, nobody's going to criticize him for saying, I, I want out. You've no. done enough there. I'm, I'm actually begging him to get out. Yeah, like, like it, it's, it's happened. Your... Like, you're not, you're not, you've been here for mad long. Yeah. It's been 10 years, bro. It's okay. We understand. The only pe- person that gets ridiculed is fucking KD because he's a free agent and goes to Warriors. Yeah, no, like, no one's fucking looking at Donovan Mitchell. How can you leave the Jazz? You like, know what I mean? Like, the only, t- the only reason LeBron got criticized because he went to Miami to play exactly, with D Wade yes. and then like it's different. Like you can go, bro. Unless it's you're okay. Free agent joining the best team in the NBA or with another superstar. D Wade didn't get criticized for leaving Miami late in nope. his career. Like Tony Parker, KG didn't get much backlash. Like you're okay, bro. Dame doesn't care about what fans think. I think he's he clearly does. I, here's the thing. I see a long off season to think about this and troll fans. Um, but I think Dame just likes living in Portland with his family. But number two, his legacy internally, he wants like he doesn't want the self. He does not want the um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The acceptance of fans. He doesn't want their approval. He wants to be. The guy in Portland, that's something he values personally. He has to take that draft. But at one point, do you realize, as the guy in Portland, you want to win, 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 but you have to look at yourself internally and look at the organization like this. They will never be able to give me what I want. And if you love Portland that much, at what point do you say, I'm hurting this organization more than helping I'm by, hindering more than I'm actually becoming a 32-win team, like you said, instead of a 20 50 team. million dollars in my pocket. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm proud to Dame. He deserves that money. Oh, great. Even better. I'd love that he getting his money. But now you're hindering the team. The team cannot build a solid foundation for you. Right. And that's sometimes your blame. There's zero championship equity here. And now Jeremy Grant wants what, 20 mil? <laughs> he wants 35. 35. I ignored that, though. <laughs> I didn't think you were going <laughs> to. Okay. He, he wants, wants more, maybe. 35? He wants to buy his Harris money back. Good for him. Nobody's getting that for a long time. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that James Harden goes back to Houston? Yes. They certainly think it. I don't know because they just got Doc <laughs> out of there, and he was he didn't like Doc too much. So that was shit made no sense. If you're gonna get Doc fired and then leave, what, that's some real nasty so shit. How I got the vibe from what has been going around is he he wanted Doc out, but he the way he said it, he wants a four year deal and he wants well, to be competitive and he's looking at his options. So if you want to be competitive, you want a four year deal, and you're looking at your options. I'm gonna be honest, Houston and Philly. Don't look like either options for what you want. Philly's your better option of the two. Yeah, but Philly, I don't think they're giving them a four-year deal. They shouldn't. And I don't think Houston's going to be competitive. So you're kind of stuck in a limbo. I don't where think Houston should give them a four-year deal. But I think they will, though. Because they're desperate? Yeah, but I don't think they'll be competitive. So it's like neither, no team can give you what you actually want, like all everything you want. So it's like, I don't know. Like Harden's 
And it's not many teams that can give you what you want. Detroit stinks. San Antonio, so how is maybe. So getting to Phoenix without, with a four-year deal? Chris Paul is getting that guaranteed money. They, they said they'll give Chris Paul the guaranteed uh, like money. Harden trade or something? So, but do, do you think that if Harden does go to Houston that they're shopping that fourth overall pick or they're drafting a player? Definitely shopping. You're speeding this up. Because, Hard, because unless, Harden, unless Brandon falls. Because Harden has said that he only wants to go to a team that's going to be competitive. Yep. And but that, he could just lie and be like, I think this they really got a good squad. They got young players. And he, he wants basketball lie. freedom too. I, I understand that. Um, if What if Brandon Miller falls to four? Harden can go there. You think that's enough though? No, to, like move, really move the needle for him, I don't think anything's going to be. He's going to go enough. to Houston and just be like, I think it's a competitive spot. Who, Who's who, stopping who, him from saying that? Who, who brings you at four? Who brings you anything for Harden to be competitive? For Houston, you still got to wait on Jalen Green. You still got to wait on Jabari Smith Jr. Singoon is coming. Yeah. You still got to wait. Tari Eason, you still got to wait on wait on him to come. You know he's coming, but you still got to wait. So it's like these are young players. Sorry, these are, <laughs> these are young Jesus players that need Christ. time before they come. I mean, you, all right. Oh. <laughs> but these are young players that, that yeah, meme is gonna get me. But these are young players that need time for they are ready Holy to perform shit. at the highest level. So yeah, just wait for their time to come, man. Yeah, no, yeah. Pick a side meme is definitely gonna get me. Yeah, that's clipped. I'm fucked. Because I understand it. I think they do have a talented young roster, but it kind of feels like James Harden's an oddball if he goes there. I mean, any young like team that wants to bring on Harden because there's really like. Realistically, how many teams give him a four-year deal for the money he wants? I mean, you could count them on like one hand, right? Realistically, there's Rockets, Magic, maybe I don't know if they want him. Exactly, like the teams that actually have the money and want James Harden is like the Rockets. It's really the end of the list, unless he wants to take less money. And but then again, and go to the Phoenix, like that report said. But I don't think he's going to take an MLE. It sounds like I think the Rockets are playing with fire, Brandon, back now. Yeah, he wants nah. basketball freedom. You don't know what this young team can be. And Ime doesn't put up a bullshit. Like, that I was apparent early on in, in the Celtics season last year when he was bun heads with Tatum and JB and Smart. Like, he's not going to come in, I don't think, and let Harden just do whatever the fuck he wants and, you know, come into the season out of shape and the strip clubs and all of that. I don't think Ime's going to put up with that. No, I don't think so either. Now, did you guys have any other takeaways from the draft lottery that we didn't cover? I know the Pistons fell to the fifth pick. Some bad luck there. Yeah. That's Do you tough. think that they now feel like nothing goes their way? Last year, fifth overall pick, I mean, Jaden Ivey. Number one got hurt, but. Ivy looked good. Duran fell in their laps. Yeah, facts. I mean, they make the best out of the worst situation, but worst, I mean, Duran, but. I mean, they fell as much as they could, but Cam Whitmore will be sitting right there for them. Yeah. And Cam Whitmore is an insanely talented. And just, he has all the potential in the world to mm-hmm. be. Uh, a top 25 player, maybe more. I mean, I'm here for it. You're talking about you took him. Ball no Ardells. I'm, I'm so glad you took him. That could be a... Oh. Sp- you doubted me. That wow. could be a special pick, man. <laughs> if he's starting to develop that three-point shot to another level, I don't know if he's got a ceiling on his game, and that would be the last piece of them alongside Boyan. I'll put you on. Yeah, but I've been watching him in a good amount. I'm glad you um, said yeah. Thank you. Give him my credit. <laughs> also, I know I feel bad for the Hornets. This is the third time they've missed out on generational center prospect by one selection. I made that note. And there was also wasn't one of them that went after their pick though. What do you mean? That like Lamelo fell in their lap, and they were like two. They got lucky with the Lamelo one. No, that was not the year. I'm not talking. about no, I'm just saying in general though. Nah. Like Wiseman got picked. They got lucky they got with Lamelo. Lucky in the Lamelo year, but they missed out on Dwight Howard. Oh, did they? Got back to Okafor, who was a great college player, but respect him. He was okay. Yeah, yeah he, he wasn't. Dwight. I know. Am I going rookie of the year? Yeah, he did. 
Michael was good. They're fine. Anthony <laughs> Davis they got goes it. one. They take Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, New Jersey legend. He did that to himself. That guy's jersey in the back. And this year, they're going to have the option of taking a scooter Brandon Miller. But there's also one thing. This would have been so disgusting. The Wizards, Ryan Hammer, shot Tim, uh, pick a side one time. He was making the point that um, they had a 53% chance of getting the first overall pick when the fourth, third, and second lottery balls were announced. And it was up to, okay, what team's going to get the, the right code with their with their number being the first overall pick. And the Wizards had over a 50% chance of the game. And that would have been so hideous. Shout out to Warren for that video. Cause no way. I, really? I didn't see that up until he made it. It was a great point. Yeah, the lottery is a little more confusing to explain for me. Um, but, yeah, they had a very good chance of gaining him. And luckily, um, for a, fran- a franchise that's been so poorly run over the last couple of years, uh, he won't be going there. Yeah, you could tank all you want. You got a 14% chance. Like, <laughs> Why'd you write thank point? you, Chicago? Oh, because you guys get on their pick. You're so, you're so <laughs> you're shameless, man. <laughs> what do you do with these Chicago jabs, man? What's that's up? Do you, why do you hate the Bulls? I he hate you. Does he? Does he? I respect that. is doing everything they can to, like, destroy what Michael Jordan built. Well, he doesn't want to be a respects fan. Michael Jordan. I mean, he can see why I don't want to be a fan. Do you see the shit that we do I'm on a day-to-day basis? It's an embarrassing franchise. Alonzo, wait on. It is an embarrassing we, franchise. Alonzo has a played boy for 7,000 <laughs> years. I don't know what he can do anymore. Paul George thinks he's one of the most talented, five most talented players in the league. By I did see that. I, saw. I understand what he meant. That's I king. do, too. But he just, that was a little stretch. Yeah, yeah, I understand what he meant, though. He, he should have said he's... he's the NBA, he, I'm not, so I won't say He should have said, like, Lonzo like Lonzo can do everything tech, by technicality. Mm-hmm. But talented is kind of crazy. He hasn't played. Except Most talented point guard ever. Yeah. I am. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. You guys can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time. Hey, this is Elliot Smith from the Arsenal Vision Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows, led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations, now they're raising another round on the platform WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdsourcing service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as $100, and in other words, that means you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in a cool company on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their team, improve operations, and that will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.